Hello and welcome to the It's All Film and Games podcast. I am Corey. Alongside me is Dane, Sam, and Samir. Here, as always, we talk all things film and games. That's literally all we do on this podcast. This is our second episode with this new title. I think things are going pretty well, guys. We feel like a real podcast now. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like we're we're really onto something. Yeah, we got well, that. Well, Corey, I was so. I was wondering, can we can we talk about like friendship or? Is that not allowed? Nothing. Not, nothing it is allowed. Has to be no, about no, film or games. It's a shame. I really wanted to dedicate today's episode uh, in its entirety to the second impeachment of of uh, our beloved leader Donald Trump, <laughs> but I, I just don't think we can do that. It's not in the title. You know, that's a totally. That's it's all yeah, I mean, Donald Trump and games. Maybe we can <laughs> weave it in. Yeah, that, that would that would be a huge. Yeah, I'm sure it, it'll have a lot to do with the Home Alone. Films we're talking we could about talk today. about Home Alone too. This is true. Like if we get into the Home Alone too, like maybe you could like bring it into the impeachment. Like I'm certainly down. I think he <laughs> deserves a lot of energy and focus. Oh right yeah. Now, so yeah, I, I, I really yeah. appreciate the way I, the I, media I, has given him so much attention over the years. So I just think we should keep it up. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, no, I that's gonna, what he needs. I was gonna say more attention. I saw a tweet along the lines of Home Alone two star. Gets impeached for a second time. <laughs> well, there you go. There's our I love movie anything that refers to him as Home Alone too. He's definitely. <laughs> uh, but no, we have a slightly different theme for <laughs> for today's episode. Uh, today, uh, today we're talking about our cinematic blind spots. Uh, we're, we're calling this one. It's about time because for us, uh, it's about time that, that we've seen a bunch of these movies. You know, it's like we've all been there in that in that moment when. As film bros were sort of looked at and expected to have seen all these different movies, uh, you know, and it's it's very likely that some of these films would come up in conversation, uh, and then people turn to us. What do you guys think? Uh, and at that point, you, you you just have to fake it, right? Like you can't admit to having not seen The Godfather. You can't admit to having not seen Goodfellas or, or some of these big time movies. And so you just fake it till you make it, uh, and hope that you don't sound like a, an absolute idiot. Uh, but that's tonight. That's what that's kind of what we're talking about. Is uh what it has been like to you know finally you know make up for some of our cinematic blind spots but more specifically uh what we're going to be doing is impersonating one another tonight's getting a little more creative than previous episodes we're going to be impersonating one another as we sort of uh imagine what that person might have sounded like when they were pretending to have seen a certain movie uh you know so <laughs> we're, we're going to get started right in a, right in a sec here uh, you know they say lead with your best stuff and i think this is the best movie we'll be talking about tonight. And uh, that's why we are going to start uh, with Samir, who, who has finally seen uh, Logan. Charles, the world is not the same as it was. Mutants. They're gone now. I hurt myself today. The James Mangold directed Logan from 2017, obviously starring Hugh Jackman, his final appearance in the role um and, I, and i'm excited to get samir's thoughts uh on logan uh obviously one of the more popular films of the past you know of the past decade really but uh, you know um even in, in in maybe all of superhero film history i would even be willing to say uh, it's one of the more important uh blockbusters in general ever made um and we can get into all those things in a little bit but first i, I really want to poke some fun at samir what do you guys think Samir thought about this movie? What do you think he, he would say uh, about this movie? I've uh, I've been waiting all day to make fun of Samir. <laughs> you obviously know that's like one of my favorite pastimes. 
and I was at the dentist getting horse tranquilizers into my <laughs> mouth. If I am very lispy tonight, that is why. And while I was sitting there getting prodded and bleeding all over the place, I was thinking about how I was going to make fun of Samir today so I could exact some revenge and re remain in control of my life to some extent. <laughs> so this is my impersonation of Samir when someone talks about Logan. So I imagine, you know, Samir is in like the 355 basement, like he's like partying it up, he's dancing a storm, and then someone's like, yo, Samir, like, you have you seen Logan? And like, yeah, just like Dane's dancing right now, like that's what Samir's doing. And Samir goes, oh man, yeah, like I, um, yeah, I love that movie. Like, he reminds me, like, this movie reminds me of a lot of this like modern playwright by <laughs> Stephen Karam that like follows like a movie that follows like a play about like this guy. It's actually very like that play in itself is like really similar to this other movie by <laughs> Jamal Dajani that goes into like a lot of like other things that are really important. And then in there, like Jamal Dajani started working with this guy named Michael Kelfi, and this guy is also like a pure genius. And then I, I imagine that Samir does that for about three other minutes and doesn't mention <laughs> one thing that happens in Logan. And then, At and that then, point, they'll so just it turns be so into irritated, Samir just to leave. They won't ever ask me about Logan again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it just turns into Samir talking about both playwriting <laughs> and other directors that's my uh that's my take on what Samir would have done in that situation that's pretty yeah, accurate yeah Dane I don't know I don't know if you have anything to add Dane but Sam basically stole my thunder because I was just gonna make fun of Samir for I, I was gonna say Samir was gonna be like oh yeah I don't know if you guys know this but James Mangold also directed Walk the Line um it's like a totally <laughs> other movie that's like kind of related to this movie he also directed Four versus Ferrari and then he just basically exactly what Sam said, where he would just go off on these long tangents about <laughs> those two other movies having barely other mentioned movies. <laughs> That was gonna be the gist no, of I, my I, take then. I was gonna I was gonna talk about I was just gonna say I, I would have thought it would have been along the lines of uh Samir going, dude, I just I just wanted like a forty five minute scene of of Logan and <laughs> and Professor X just like I don't know, just like talking about their 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 natural life, about how uh, Patrick Patrick Stewart is is he's losing his mind, and how he keeps losing the chess with Logan and all this stuff, and just re this really organic mumblecore type. <laughs> it is true that I'm almost certain already that Samir's favorite parts of this movie were probably some of those early um, um, interior scenes between. Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart between uh, Wolverine and, and uh, Charles Xavier. Uh, he's probably like, too many outdoor shots. The camera moved too much. <laughs> All right, we'll yeah. stop talking really about focus on your thoughts on, uh, on, on Logan. I mean, this, to me, I mean, we kind of debated this before the episode about whether or not this was even like a cinematic blind spot. Like, it's a relatively new movie. Uh, like, is this one that everybody should be expected to have seen? And maybe not. But uh, I do think it's, it's, it's a really, really great film. Um, I'm excited for you to make me feel terrible about, about that opinion. Well, withstanding Go for it, Samir. these uh, these harsh aspersions, these uh, these I don't even know. <laughs> I I still stand resilient, and what I will say is that I really liked Logan. I did. Um, and you, one part of your impersonation of me 
that all three of you really nailed was my inevitable ability to connect it to something else, which I'm going to do. One of my favorite <laughs> games ever. I appreciate you rebranding that as like a as a, a skill as opposed to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this time it's not a play. This time it's a video game, and that video game is called The Last of Us. I yes! played it. Yeah. Okay. So I connected with Dane. Have Have any of you guys played The Last? Yeah, I of actually. Us? I just played The Last of Us and finished it like a month ago for the first time. Yeah. So please, I, don't, whatever you do... I didn't play, have a PlayStation. All I, all I ask is that the rest of this conversation doesn't spoil the second one at all. I right, yeah. I, I, I haven't played it either, so I'm unable okay. to spoil it. You know, I would if I could, Corey. I, I I'm really sure you would. would if I, could. Yeah. I, I know you, no. Samir, I know you <laughs> But Pardon my yeah, excitement, yeah. but watching Logan, like that is what it reminded me of immediately when Logan yeah. came out was uh, the first Last of Us. And the other thing I'll say is that, first of all, the, like The Last of Us, I really like that game. I could talk about that game for the entire duration I'm going to talk about this movie for, and that wouldn't even be an impersonation. It'd just be like what I'm going to do. But um, what I'll say is that like I think this movie really works on like a lot of different levels. Just like, you know, The Last of Us works on a lot of different levels, but I really like that, like, rugged dad-daughter type. So, like, I, I kind of knew what the premise was going in. And when you like the premise already, it just becomes so much easier to, like, for you to, like, really enjoy the story. Um, I think the action in this movie is really great. I, like, especially, like, the action sequences. <laughs> Speaking of, like, the mumblecore moments, I actually wasn't a huge, like, if I had any parts that I didn't like as much, it was, like, the... um. Patrick Stewart type, like him just talking in the beginning. I think the movie gets yeah, a what lot. What do I know? <laughs> I think. What? Well, you, you see, it, it, the mumble. Samir, thing, what do you like? <laughs> I, I don't even know. I don't even out. know. Samir's like, I hate when this movie tries to generate emotion. <laughs> right. No, I think the <laughs> the kind of talking thing only works when it's done by like New York twenty something, not Jack <laughs> Andrew Bujowski. Yeah, <laughs> not James. Gold. right no i i think that the movie gets a lot better as it goes on like the first 40 minutes i was like okay all right this is the most talky part of it and then once it kind of becomes like this like road trip cross country type movie i was like okay i really like this and then when they like stop at someone's house blah blah, blah um it just keeps building the action keeps building and you know it's one of those things where like like the emotion i didn't feel it until that like last 10 minutes where i was like damn oh my god like that girl by the way was such a good actor i don't know her name um daphne daphne, is it daphne keen yeah, yeah she's now in a his dark materials on hbo which is i haven't she... watched but i know that's kind of like her big project right now and the other thing i'm gonna say about this movie um based on just how well executed it is and like i know i mentioned the video game comparison here's probably the first and maybe last time i'll like say this but like when i say it's video game like in that sense i mean that in like a really good way in the sense that the camera work is so precise and coordinated it's like somebody like like i know like their story like their storyboarding and stuff like that but they got it down so exact and fluid that it really feels like animated and i just mean that in a way that like like the action sequences are just so like on their feet and they like bring life to everything that's going on in a way that I've seen in games like Bioshock and stuff, not as much in movies, but in Logan, that part is like evident that like really like 
movement, that kinetic energy. Um, well, you know what else I think it's like, yeah. and this is where I kind of want to, this is the question I wanted to point towards, uh, towards both Dane and Sam too, especially Dane, because I feel like he'll some interesting things uh, to, to say about this, but I think it's a lot like comics. But not me. Well, not you. Because, I mean, I, that, because if, if you waited for the point I was about to make, <laughs> it, it kind of explains why I was okay, this towards Dane a little bit. No, I mean, yeah, like, it, I think, I agree with you that it's a, it's a lot like other genres, it's, or it's, it's all like other mediums. It's like video games, um, but it, it also has this, like, comic book feel, and what the movie does something that. really cool by literally incorporating comic books into the world. Like, so few superhero movies acknowledge that these are characters who also exist in fiction. Um, and I've, I've honestly spent, like, years trying to figure out what exactly it means for Logan to include comics, and I think there's a lot of different answers, but I was kind of curious to get anyone's thoughts on it, including you, Sam. I um, love that. Well, I was, thanks, Corey. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, no, as someone that has, like, just seen the movie as of, like, four hours ago, like, that was, like, you just made me remember it. That was probably one of my favorite parts about them looking at, like, because I generally like, like, Mehmeta-type stuff, but, like, that felt so appropriate. And for some reason, my thought, because I haven't seen that many superhero movies, was that that was, like, a common occurrence, like, in X-Men movies, um, that, like, they would, like, kind of refer to themselves as, like, or, like, they would, like, see comics of themselves being made. Based on how you guys are talking about it, I'm finding out that that's a novel thing in Logan. If so, that is super cool because I really like that in the sense that, like, it allows them, like, I think it it highlights the realism of the, mo- of the movie, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, it it really, like, them commenting on, like, the comic book nature of it like makes the movie seem like these are real people we're in the real world even though like there's a dude that has like claws and stuff and that like really like forefronting of its realism in logan actually like makes it like so gritty i think sam used the word gnarly er earlier in our group chat um and that grit it just is so harmonious with like everything else that's going on that like for a moment like at, at points I even forget that I'm watching a superhero type movie like it just feels like a drama um, which I think is super cool and even the best yeah. R-rated movies don't do that action movies yeah you guys know I love Marvel and little Dane whenever he was a little kid he would always when he would go to the doctor's office he would take all those little blue gloves and one of my favorite Marvel characters is Nightcrawler, who is this blue character with three fingers. And I would take those latex gloves and make it so my I only had three fingers. Then I would just like sit crouched up on like a on a stole and pretend I was Nightcrawler. Um, but with that with that side embarrassing uh, piece of <laughs> yeah, you talked Dang, about what did that have... <laughs> dude it, it's it's an, it's awesome. an x-men character it's an x-men character but, i love it okay, okay. but what i think saying... once again proves why he's the most wholesome member of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah that was I, I mean that was adorable <laughs> i'm saying this because uh so i obviously i i grew up with the x-men movies and tw- 2017 is when logan came out so that was like you know i'm, I'm maturing a bit and at this point i'm following comic news and and comic book movie news and all this stuff and one of the biggest complaints about uh the x-men was specifically with logan and that we never really got to see that r-rated like berserker rage in the comic books um put on the film so like when news came out that logan was going to be rated r people were just over the moon and that you can tell like literally from the first line that that's what they were going for 
and they were hitting the R rate R rating like as hard as they could right off the bat. The first word uttered in the movie is fuck and <laughs> the first sequence is so gory and just over yeah. the top and, yeah. and crazy. It was you're just like this this is what a lot of fans have wanted for a while. Um but Corey, going off of what you said about uh comics being in it. I mean Samir even talked about it with it being real, but um the scene where Wolverine Logan finds uh uh X twenty three's comic book and essentially at that point there's this weird cross not weird because it was very intentional between comics and real life that that comic book has essentially the location at the end of the movie where they need to go um so i i think that's that's where for me like that meta um comic book intersection between film and comics in this movie was awesome because Definitely the movie is is more realistic, but you have Logan where he's going. He says something along the lines of like something along the lines of like a uh like a few of those stories are real, but most of them are made up or something like that, and shit doesn't go down that way. Uh I, I love that about the movie. And I think just the way Mangold portrays that intersectionality between comics and film is really cool. I agree, and I also I think uh, what you know? What's important to note about Logan Two is that it's the final film uh, for Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, and so and that kind of plays into it too. You know, like um, with, you know, with superheroes I'd or with any, for any Wolverine, right? Uh, well, there, I'm sure there'll be there will be a Wolverine. I mean, I, I just I say Hugh Jackman's Wolverine because he has been the Wolverine for essentially the past twenty years. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I guess technically there is no Wolverine out there in, in the live action films right now. But I'm sure as soon as Marvel uh, incorporates that kind of the MCU, we'll get some kind of new version. Um, we'll, but, we'll finally get a Jack okay. Black Wolverine at some point. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, but but I mean, I think that kind of plays into what you're saying about the, <laughs> the comics, people, too. What they like, want. like, you know, you could always point to a, a superhero film or any work of fiction and just kind of say, you know, well, that's all that is. It's just like a work of fiction. Um, but what the film does by, like, constantly letting these two speak to each other the comics and reality reality in the comics uh it's like who fucking cares hugh jackman is a character and an, and an actor who is uh obviously like you know really played a role in a lot of people's uh lives like he you know he's he's been with people for 20 years and that he's really kind of put his stamp on that character um and so logan was as much about him as it was about the x-men universe uh which and i i thought they did that really really beautifully like it, it's a really yeah. uh like touching movie and on several different layers. Logan is, you've grown, you know, you've spent 20 years with this character in this series and this movie. This is probably like such a amazing ending for it all. Cause it, I like, as we all know, like no experience. I have like, I haven't watched a single Wolverine thing. This is the only Wolverine related thing I've ever seen. And like, I just feel like, it's very interesting. James Mangold, when I read up about like why he made some of the creative decisions he did, and he said, this movie is more about characters than it is about information and all that. And I have to say, the characters in this movie aren't that all that interesting. So it's interesting that he focuses only on the characters. Like the little girl is essentially like the seven like eleven archetype from Stranger Things. Like 
It is a character we've seen many, many times. Like, did you guys really find the characters of this story super engaging? I think the action is by far the best part of this movie. I mean, and I, the characters I agree are that Logan kind of mediocre for me. It's past to a certain extent. Like, it's kind of resting on the legacy of Hugh Jackman and the Wolverine. Uh, and I, I think, you know, I, I, if you can't tell, like, I think Dane and I are huge fans of that character and of his, his performance in that role. And I, I, I don't, I won't yeah. deny that that contributes to, I think, the overall love for the film. But I definitely don't agree that the characters aren't interesting. I mean, I, I don't think that her fitting into a, a neat archetype, which she definitely does, um, is a knock on X-23's character. I think uh, she's actually still uh like like especially within the universe um an interesting take on that kind of character um because it is at least thematically relevant to logan and his experiences sam let me ask you this (laughs) i know something that 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 you really despise about superhero movies is like just honestly sometimes your love for them just yeah the sheer spectacle and (laughs) uh fact that it's like this massive franchise and all the cgi and there's kind of stuff going on all the time what did you think about logan i would argue being the most like practical effects down to earth like grounded superhero movie in i for in a very well it's it's, decent amount of time no i agree there's a lot of downtime in this movie a lot more downtime than i thought was gonna happen i just knew this movie was insanely violent so i i figured it was just gonna be people exploding the entire time and i talked about this before on previous episodes i normally hate the final battles of superhero movies i find them like really hard to follow and just kind of lame the best scene of this movie is like the final 20 minutes like that is without a doubt, the greatest final battle I've seen in a superhero movie. And it kind of made me wish, and you're going to, you're going to be like, wow, you are inconsistent as shit. But it made me wish it was kind of like more like, I wish it a had gone into the lives of other, the other kids. Like I would have loved to see a girl fucking breathe ice on someone and then (laughs) smash them in the face. Like that shit was cool. Like that shit was cool as hell. (laughs) but i wish it had been a little more i don't know i just i didn't really buy into the father daughter relationship enough and i kind of wish they had just gone more you know extreme and you know gone into other other lives and it been a bit more expansive in its scope i mean the movie is called i I like yeah it's called logan (laughs) but no 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 but no what they failed yeah no. Oh, I was just going to say, well, so, okay, Samir, <laughs> sorry, I was going to say, <laughs> well, Samir seems to have the opposite uh, opinion of what you have, Sam, where you think that relationship was underdeveloped and just not great. I feel like Samir, if he was getting the Last of Us vibes, that he did like the relationship. Yeah, I did. Um, I think that, like, so much of it, like, like Corey said and Dane said that like it does kind of rest on this like backstory that um the Wolverine has. So I'm glad that like cuz I I have seen um other Wolverine movies so I was kind of coming into it with that backstory. Um I I mean even as a standalone film I thought they developed it just fine. Obviously they didn't like 
overdo it at any points, right? I, I, I didn't think that, like, there was too much of it. But I thought that by the end, that final sequence, I thought that that tied it together really well. Because I kind of, like, I, I'm with you, Sam, in that at moments, I was very close to writing it off as, a, okay, this is a bit underdeveloped. But I thought, like, the ending sequence, at least the final 20 minutes, um, kind of, like, sealed it for me. I think, like, okay, like, this is enough development on their I, relationship. I I agree. It's a very satisfying end. I want to I want to make it clear that like I don't think they did anything bad in Logan. I just know that this is like some people's favorite favorite movie and like their by far their favorite superhero movie. And I just didn't I just didn't like I was I just wasn't blown away by it. Like I and I I really Fair. liked it. But part of me feels like the gore like, the gore is really, like, it takes you back at first. Like, it is fucking gnarly. Like, that's what I texted the group chat. I was like, this movie is gnarly. Yeah, it's gritty. <laughs> but then after a while, you just kind of get de- you get desensitized to it. And you're like, okay, it's another person's head getting stabbed through Wolverine's. Like, I guess, and if you're really into superhero movies and you've never seen that before... Like, that is probably really exciting. But for me, that the the wonder of that was off by the time they had made it past the train tracks. Yeah, like, I, mean, I just it, didn't it really gets care. At, it gets at some of what we were talking about a little bit earlier and just that superhero movies are always going to be a strange phenomenon. And I think this is probably why a lot of people don't like them, but it's also why people love them is that they never will exist in isolation. Like they're always going to be in conversation with either other superhero movies, with comic books, with just like people's personal attachments to characters. I mean, superhero movies aren't the only genre that 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 is affected in that way, but they're uh, probably the the strongest example of that. Yeah. So yeah, like it is true that you know it's hard to hate Logan if you're a fan of the Wolverine, who, like Dane mentioned, has been clamoring for uh, an R-rated, blood-soaked version of this character ever since you know he debuted on screen. I mean, like Logan was always going to become your favorite movie yeah. if that was the case. Well, uh, another thing too that yeah. I love about the movie is as much as I love the MCU, I really do think Logan is a great critique of the shared universe um like spectacle movie. Uh and I think it, it's done through through the western, the western setting with it. And that's really what always draws me to this movie is that uh at its core, like superhero movies are modern day westerns. They're it's the hero <laughs> showing up to save the day, and having that like that balance between saying, "Hey, this is just a new era of cinema," and it, that could be more character driven, more more personal, more emotional, um, and and really bringing it back to its roots of your man with no name type, uh, dirty Harry situations. So that that's something that I I think really uh sets the movie apart from an MCU type movie is that it it works as a pretty much a a perfect uh uh opposite to what Endgame is. From so yes, Sam, basically from I agree. That's a really good that's a really good point in. Thank you. I didn't Thank think you. Of that. So, well, really, <laughs> that's a, that's but Sam, point. I wanted to point out one one more movie that I thought about in relation to Logan um and then, yeah, and then we'll, and we'll wrap up this conversation. But a movie that I, I think we both really like, that I find sort of similar, is Hell or High Water. It came out um, around the same time. Yeah. Hell or High Water, I think, came out 
also in 2017. I'm fairly confident. 2017. Yeah, it yeah. came out in 2017. Um, and I just, I, just, I, don't know, I just love, like, I actually don't even love the Western genre. Like, a lot of classic Westerns don't really do it for me. Me neither. But I really love, like, the neo-Western genre. Like, I really like how these movies that are sort of recreating and, like, sort of interrogating uh, that, that old Western style. And I know you appreciated that. So, I, I, know, I just thought... Uh, that to yeah. me is one. I agree with Dane. I'm glad he brought up the Western part because I think that is one of the one of Logan's strongest suits. Yeah, I I t- the Western part is kind of mind blowing. I actually had never thought about the relationship between the two and why they include that in the movie. I I want to say like I, I I also like Samir and like everyone on this. I did like Logan. Like I would never tell anyone to not watch this movie. Uh, it's very very entertaining. And my final thing that I love about this movie that no other superhero movie does is that the fucking superhero dies. Thank God. Spoiler. Thank God one of them fucking died because I don't give a shit. I like, you know, like oh, every fucking Sam, movie, it's so like much you go in, you know, the bad uh, guys. Impersonation of you. <laughs> it's like every fuck, dude, it's like every fucking superhero movie. There's a bad guy. There's a good guy. You know, the bad guy's going to lose and that the good guy is not going to die. Every single time. So it yeah. loses the stakes of it. And I, watching this, I I was pretty sure that he was going to die just because they keep saying, saying that, like, he's run out of serum the entire time. But I was like, wow, they fucking killed him. Like, yeah. Damn, good shit. I, like, I was, I felt like, a, and it was like a noble death. It was great. Yeah. I loved how that ended. It's it's very rare that with him. superhero movies that you get, like, a uh, an actual final scene it's there's no post credit scene right and the little the little bit again now that we're just talking about the ending the the choice to end the film on a an x on his cross x uh, i thought was awesome especially with his uh with the doll of wolverine in costume it, it really sums up that hugh jackman he was this character this is his claim to fame Everyone loves him for this, and he very much carried the X-Men franchise on his shoulders. So, yeah. I mean, and the- Logan, I think Logan should have been the last Fox X-Men movie. I know they tried with, like, Apocalypse and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. Logan, R- Logan, in my mind, is, is, it was the perfect ending to the Fox uh, X-Men franchise. And I, I think that's what makes Great. it so good. Like, I think the the whole thing being like so flavored by its ending like to me if i can think of one thing right now that in the last of us that i would compare this to it'd be the finale of breaking bad where it's like you have action you have these moments and it all leads to like that that final moment um but the whole episode as soon as you start that finale episode it's colored by the ending like that like everything is dripping in that okay we all know how this is gonna end but everything else like makes it like so like like it highlights every other event of the movie. Um, overall, right I think. Off, I mean, in Breaking yeah. Bad, you know, you have this idea that, like, the first episode, you're told this main character has cancer. That mm-hmm. probably means he's going to die by the very end of this show. You just mm-hmm. don't know how. He has terminal so, cancer. Right. So, yeah. And then and same with, with Logan, you know, you know he's losing his healing factor. This is a character who um, has, has been known to be immortal, and now he's lost that quality. He's facing his mortality for the first time. You know he's going to die. It's just a matter of how. I, I like yeah. that comparison a lot to me. Yeah, I mean, o- like, overall, I think it's a really solid movie. And it also has the amazing distinction of having its sequel come out in the very same year, Logan Lucky. 
So I haven't Don't seen that one. That got a head man. shake for me. Head shake. All right. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's what slapper. I was going for. Yeah. <laughs> that, was much, that was much better than the University of Michigan joke. <laughs> yeah. Can we cut that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's that yeah. is that has to stay. No. I, w- I We're won't replay it three times to start the episode. Yeah, that'll be that'll be the preview. That'll be the, the new drop for every future episode. Listeners, um, please I will. Or when Samir thought that fu- the plural of fun was oh funny. my god, and then okay, I, that I, might I, also be the. And intro. I told him that that was the least educated thing I've heard on any episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, with that, so Samir funny. has addressed um, what I view to be a pretty glaring cinematic blind spot. Some. I might disagree. Uh, I should note that Samir was between watching Logan or any fucking Star Wars movie because he has not mm-hmm. seen a single Star Wars movie. Yeah, uh, which those are be... probably even bigger blind spots um, in terms of you know probably like broader discourse. But I thought you know knowing that we have such big fans of Logan here that Logan was a fun one for us to discuss as well. But Samir, you probably got to get on that Star Wars grind. Uh, yeah, I'm, not even exactly. a, I'm not even like a Star Wars addict, and yeah, I still dude. can't believe you haven't seen a single. No, movie. they suck, Samir. Shut up, Sam. <laughs> but with that we are going to stay on a bit of a a superhero trend here because sam has addressed his own cinematic blind spot um and it was about time that sam watched really i mean you watched you watched two movies for this one but it was really addressing one in particular sam watched both batman begins and the dark knight uh the dark knight i think probably being the one that like is truly considered a blind spot just because that is such a popular a legendary film uh again like one that's not not too old you know it came out just a little over a decade ago but i think it has already cemented itself as uh a kind of a you know it's it's going to be around for the long haul you know we're going to be talking about the dark knight for a long long time superhero fans and non-superhero fans alike for a lot of different reasons but before we get into some of the specifics of the film <laughs> how do we think sam felt about it and what do you, what do we think he uh he sounded like when he had to pretend to have seen this thing well, I mean, based off his little, uh, his few excerpts <laughs> about uh, Logan, we can already get a little hint of that. Yeah, and we already me, have so much material from him. I was, was going to say, me, Sam's too easy. Me being the superhero fan that I am, I've ever since I've known Sam, I've been given shit about superhero movies. And, uh, <laughs> I've been nothing but supportive. <laughs> that is such a, such a blatant lie. But we but roll, we roll me, the tape. <laughs> I <laughs> Yeah, don't go back to the tapes. <laughs> to me, it I I feel like with the Dark Knight there are two things here that uh if Sam were ever asked about if his thoughts on the Dark Knight, it probably went a little something like this. The Dark The Dark Knight? You're you're telling me it's a superhero movie directed by Christopher Nolan? Dude let, let's just say, for, I knew before even going into this, like the majority of superhero movies <laughs> I don't watch, but just hear about, I already hate. I, I mean, I, I hated it before I even started watching it. It's Christopher Nolan, and it's and it's Batman. And and who is this Batman guy? It, it's a guy running around in hockey pads. He's a billionaire. I hate billionaires. I'm from California. It's I, true. I, I love the... <laughs> it's... I, I just don't... I, 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 I just don't I don't I just don't get like what all, it, it's a franchise it's a part of a trilogy who who really cares about superhero movies nothing consequential happens in them 
it it's all a bunch of show i don't you don't learn anything about any characters the dialogue's bad i could go on and on <laughs> so yeah basically mine is gonna be the same as yours dane only uh the, the funny part about sam is that he he'll say all that bullshit wait act it out and act then, it out then no, no and, then, and at the end you're, you're, you'll just go i, I want to make it very clear like i actually really liked the dark i just felt the need to point you out guys that are I literally just taking about. what i would say but i want to make it clear that i, I actually yeah, really like this movie it's like oh make, oh, make no mistake yeah, like, make no mistake i really like this movie there was Wait, you you like, don't say that too, Corey. Corey. It's like, oh, oh, wait. You you said you you like the Dark Knight. You like superhero movies. Well, that means I hate superhero movies. And then he, and then he turns around and goes, "Dude, I, I don't hate things." Dude, the Joker was actually really good. I mean, like, he's a great bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then none of my Los really Angeles cousins the Joker was were in good. the movie. There were no sequence. There were absolutely no sequences. Of oh my god! Christian Bale with his hair dyed purple, set to a Frank Ocean song. It's like, the whole it, movie sucks. You know what would make me love The Dark Knight is if we got to see Bruce Wayne grow up every year of his life, like a boyhood situation, where this horror like, <laughs> type, type kid we get, we get to really He's see like, his life fleshed out. Sam's like, I know it's called Batman Begins, but I, I just wanted to know more about Ra's al Ghul. I wanted to just yeah, go yeah. and meet every single member of the League of Shadows. I wanted the movie to completely leave Gotham and just spend all of its time halfway across the world. And what was the motivations like, like, for the bats I mean, coming up to Christian Bale? Let's be honest, Bale that's the best part him. of the fucking movie. Why didn't, get, why didn't we get any background on the Joker? I, I really think... Wait, you guys are such fucking... We should have learned more about, such about Lucius we Fox's we his partner and his kids and how he got to how he was. Why did he help we Batman? Spent like 30 we, spent, we spent 30 seconds on Samir and we... <laughs> There's absolutely we no, 30 seconds on no Samir. fizz between the romance between Christian Bale and Anne Samir's Hathaway. still going. There's no, there's no sex scenes in the movie. It's No, yeah. I will say that... Wait, I literally, oh my god, I can bring my sister on. I literally halfway through was like, if they don't bone, I don't give a fuck about this love story. And they didn't at all. And I was like, this is fucking stupid. I will say, it must have been weird. Well, And and, and here's where we'll get your thoughts, Dan. But it must have been weird watching uh, the first and the second back to back. And just seeing Rachel completely transform from Katie Holmes to Maggie Jones. Oh, yeah. It's a new... It, it was a new girl, right? Yeah, I was yeah, like, they, I was they, like, they recast. My mind. I was like, they, they look- recast Katie Holmes with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Okay, I, it's, I assumed that it, I knew it was Katie Holmes in the first. I was like, Katie Holmes looks different in the second. Well, and I think Maggie Gyllenhaal was like, a lot, had, a lot better too. I don't know about you guys, but I thought she was a much more powerful yeah, Rachel. No, she, Katie Holmes is very, yeah, Katie Holmes is very like typical. What I mean, did I say? Real quick, Rachel. We'll talk about Batman Begins. Just my, my first, my first like. 10 second opinion batman begins number one i can tell why it's influential there was this was i mean the effects were still good in 2005 i was shocked i was like this looked like it was made yesterday um other than that very very average was not a huge fan um and then that brings us to the dark knight which is dun 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 it was pretty good i like i thought it was pretty good i like i liked it Pretty, I, pretty, good. I, um, pretty, pretty good. I didn't realize that this movie... I didn't realize that this movie is carried as fucking hard as it is by Heath Ledger. I thought Heath Ledger was, like, a part of, like, this amazing... Like, I do believe that the storytelling is is, is interesting. Quay will get more probably into that as we go on. 
because he's the Nolan fanboy that he is. <laughs> but um, I like Heath Ledger's character, like the Joker he plays is just like so much fun. Like he and I thought this movie was joyless. Like for anyone that's like, how did you not fucking watch Dark Knight already? It's because I am a not a fan of the genre. And B, I just figured this was going to be like just this very like, wow, everything's sad. Like there's no happiness in the world. Like the usual like dark, gritty superhero thing, which I don't find very fun. But um, the Joker brings a lot of color in a lot of ways. And he really is a great juxtaposition to Gotham and to the Batman character. And I feel like if the Dark Knight had fucking like Bane as the bad guy in the number two from the number three movie, like this movie would have been average in my eyes, but the Joker character brings out the best in everyone, I think. And Heath Ledger is the fucking goat for that performance. Like that is the, I think for me, superheroes tend to be as good as their villains. Mm -hmm. And this is the best superhero villain of all time. So I mean, it, I, and, he, yeah. and he lived up to the hype. Like, I thought, I didn't realize he was going to be, like, everyone says, like, insane performance, best villain. And I was like, it really can't be that great. And then from the pencil thing, immediately you're like, nope, this is fucking awesome. Like, it really is. He really is a performance uh, that yeah. transcends. He, he steals. You go ahead, Dane. Yeah. He absolutely steals every scene he is in, and he just he sucks the air out of the room and the entire time you're watching your your eyes are drawn to him and at points you like i mean i he's in, he's my favorite character in the movie and i'm i'm sure he's a lot of people's favorite oh by far and it, it's it's crazy because it, it really does what the joker in comic books is supposed to be which is like he he rivals if he, he rivals and exceeds Batman's screen presence like he it's really is Joker's movie throughout oh. the entire film um so that that's really for me like Nolan's direction in the writing of the movie they nailed the character so well yeah I think what makes the Absolutely. Joker such a crazy compelling character so I'm gonna like the character is that he's this mentally deranged person that's also a super calculated like crime genius um and seeing Heath Ledger understand that crucial part of the character and bring that to life where like at every moment you can see here's somebody that's like losing it. Like he's at like the border of sanity and insanity, but at the same time, he's like 10 steps ahead of everyone. Like he's it's and that's what's so scary. Like I think fear is something that comes from what we don't understand and people constantly don't understand how the Joker can be like as deliberate and like and like exact as he is when he appears to be like like there's a sequence of probably one of my favorite sequences in the movie there's like so many but one of my favorites is like where he's getting the shit beat out of him by christian bale but why that scene is so good is that the joker in the the holding cell yeah in the holding cell the joker interrogation yeah the interrogation The Joker has the upper hand that entire time, even though he's getting the shit beat out of him. And I think that encapsulates the lovely, like, the super awesome relationship. Well, and, yeah. and the thing about the Joker, too, is that, um, you know, all the mystery surrounding him as a, as a character. That's why, exactly. you know, we don't have to, we don't have to get into this debate because you guys know where I stand. But <laughs> yeah, this, right. is, this is part of the reason that I despise um, Joker so much as a movie. 
is because I have, I have no interest personally in learning anything about the Joker or, or the past because like like any origin story given to Heath Ledger's Joker would immediately take away from that character and that performance. He he gives or he gives like four different origin stories for himself throughout the movie, and and that's the genius of it. Like and that's the genius. Of, I mean that's intentional on for both. It kind of goes with like the horror movie thing about not wanting to know the motivations no. behind them. Like he really, I think both Logan and The Dark Knight they almost play like horror movies throughout the the runtime. Like I was I was actually surprised by how like because Batman Begins is like a little scary at times, but like Dark Knight is like legitimately scary like throughout. Like it is it is unnerving it, it, well, and it's, it's unsettling. Yeah. And I think that's what makes like it the pacing and the and the well, action so fun is like it's a it's like no superhero movie before that had really tried. And to that's do where like that. Samir, you said the comment about he's always ten steps ahead, and that's why another thing I I love about the writing of the movie is that it is Joker's movie, and he really drives the plot of the entire movie. It's what he does and the consequences that follow. And it shows just his his power over over everyone in the film, and I mean we can get into the Two Face and his uh, manipulation that happens there, and just all of the events leading up to the very end. It's it's all him driving it, and ultimately the conclusion with Two Face wouldn't have been caused without the Joker. And again, like I I think it it was. Such amazing writing on on Nolan's part and how they wrote uh, Joker. Yeah, I think yeah, this let, is let's like... talk about Two Face real quick. Um, just because I know that is something that I know off off uh, the podcast right before we started. Uh, Sam, you had mentioned that you had some mixed mixed feelings about after watching. Yeah, so um, it's uh, it brings to my bigger cinematic theory that the Dark Knight is a common sequel of the Little Women franchise. <laughs> and the reason why I say this is because they treat Harvey Dent as they treat Beth as the perfect un, um, you know, the better than the rest type character, the white knight, as they call him in the, in the movie. Um, no, actually, I don't. I don't have a theory about this, but I just want to say <laughs> similar to like, how, you're already similar losing. To, <laughs> no, similar to the how Little Women, the Greta Gerwig movie is and how every Florence Pugh scene is amazing and how I felt other scenes uh, were kind of boring without her. That's how I feel about Dark Knight, man. Like, I I just didn't think the Harvey Dent Two-Face character even holds a candle to Joker. So after I, if there's one movie we can fucking spoil, it's this movie. Like, I feel like this is like if you're listening to a film pad- <laughs> podcast, you've seen The Dark Knight. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. I feel that the movie is most interesting. Like, the climax of the two boats feels really intense and really exciting. And for them to end the movie where it being like he's gonna kill Cooper's kid, like, I'm sorry to that kid. Like, R.I.P. to that kid. But like, Cooper, I don't give right a shit Gordon. anymore. Yeah, Gordon, sorry. RIP to Gordon's kid, but I don't give a fuck anymore. Like, I don't, like, I feel like that was the emotional climax of the movie was the two boats. And after that, like, I just felt like that final 20 minutes was just like, eh, like, I don't, it felt like they were tying up loose ends at that point to me. And I just like, 
Also, I don't really still understand why they needed to make um, Harvey Dent so, like, uh, great in people's eyes. Like, why they couldn't accept that he was bad. Um, well, I, I, so I that's think where, I, that's where that final that ties... scene kind of. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I think that's where the the Joker does tie in because I would argue that Joker's motivation in the movie was to show that these powerful, or at least one of his motivations was to show that these powerful characters, these powerful people can fall. Like he is known as the white knight. He is supposed to be Gotham's like legal protector outside of Batman and Joker corrupts him. Joker makes him fall to the dark side. So that's where I would say, I I mean, I, I do see what, where you're coming from. I'm not saying that. Go ahead. Dude, I'm not like, saying I'm not saying they don't connect. I do. I understand the connection. I think yeah. it's a really cool connection, actually. I'm just saying, as a villain, like, does anyone really give a fuck what Two Face does in it? Like, I don't like. Like, I, I didn't. I, fuck. I don't know. Like, I think I. I yeah. Like, I, I think his I totally still agree that Heath Ledger's performance is great. I think Gary Oldman is amazing in this movie and the rest of the trilogy. I think Christian Bale is great. I think Michael Caine is great. I think all Michael of these performances. Yeah. To, you know the their respective characters being great and therefore you know worthy of my investment. I think Aaron Eckert is is the same way as as Harvey Dent uh, slash Two Face. I I I bought into every moment of of this movie. And while I agree that he's not a vil- Two Face isn't a villain uh, in anywhere near Joker's level, um, I think narratively it still plays really well. Yeah. That's so the I two thought. things the the two things that I'll say is that one. I think one of Nolan's greatest strengths or like an an underrated strength of his is how good he is at openings. The opening sequence of this movie is so fantastic. I can't fantastic. tell you how so many good. times I've rewatched it so on YouTube. Good. Just that, that final moment when he takes the mask off just gives me goosebumps every time. And there's like not, yeah. you know, many movies that can do that. And, and Hans with, Zimmer's score kicking in right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was about Hans to Zimmer's say score. it shows how important like score is in the movie. Like that that steady like yeah. high pitched noise that just yeah crescendos yeah. throughout the entire thing. And in our discussion yeah. of Harvey Dent, I almost think in some weird way, like I agree with you, Sam, that he's like so much of an inferior villain compared to the Joker. But in some weird way, his inclusion kind of like makes the joker look that much more cool like in the sense that like if we got a movie where it was just good versus evil yin versus yang and it's just the good guy versus the bad guy um it, it, at some point we would kind of feel like okay even if it's the greatest villain in the world the fact that we have like a side distraction and then we see the joker kind of like i don't know it kind of makes the joker be like oh my god this joker is just so much more enter- like it's just an entertaining screen character um, yeah, I mean, he third, proves yeah. the Joker right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like he, he proves his point, which. But I'm saying, I'm saying, if, it, 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 I'm saying, if he's a, a pl- if he's a plot vessel, if he's a plot vessel to make the Joker look good, I don't really want the movie ending on him. Like that's not really, like I mean, I, I just didn't get that satisfaction. But... I mean, he is, um, but like, dude, I don't know. Like, he seemed like. Correct me if I'm wrong. He comes across as a douche from the very get-go. And I know the point <laughs> is, like, a, the two-faced politician, like, that that whole thing, which it, which is an interesting thing. But I don't find this, like, big emotional payoff on him, quote-unquote, switching to the bad side. 
Because I just always felt like it was an inevitability. Like, they just paint him as, like, he, like, did, were you guys shocked that he became a bad guy? Like, is that where, well, am, well, again, am I, where should I hold that, less, like... should I hold less emotional weight on him switching and more on the fact that, you know, it's a, it's a sign of what the Joker did or something like that? Well, again, that's where this whole yeah. thing comes in about. Uh, you know, superhero movies and the fact that they're based off pre-existing properties. I think for a lot of fans, you hear the name Harvey Dent, you immediately know that's Two-Face. So you go into this movie just wondering, how is this guy going to become Two-Face? Um, and I love seeing, like, I, I will say, like, that one of my favorite parts about superhero movies is getting a new one and sort of knowing some of the pieces that already exist and just wondering how this movie is going to actually make those pieces click. Yeah, so, like, I think in that sense, when you know going in, he's going to be two two faced, and you see how it happens, you're like, oh shit! Like, and you don't even care if it's if he maybe is just a plot vessel. You don't care about uh, X or X, Y, or Z. You're you're just amazed that they found this new way to do it and to fit it into this larger story. I totally could see why. Again, maybe for a non fan, why that isn't as exciting. Uh, but I, I think that's that's how superhero films buy themselves some leeway, I guess. So like. When I think of Dark Knight, my first instinct isn't even, it's just like, wow, this is like a great, exhilarating crime. Like, obviously, I think of the Batman first, but I don't think of, like, Marvel or, like, DC. Obviously, it's in DC, but, like, I don't think of any of that. I just think of it as, like, a separate, standalone movie. Um, and so much of it, like we've talked about, rests on, like, the characterization of the Joker. Him saying in that one line, do you know why I use a knife instead of a gun? is to see people screaming and figure out who they are in their last moments. That line still... Like the little emotions, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, real quick, I think we brushed over Batman Begins a bit too quickly. What I will say about that movie is that I still... Th- I, I, I think it deserves a bit more credit than um, we've given it. Like, I think it's, like, a really solid, like, intro to the story of Batman. Like, my favorite scene in that movie is when he enters the cave and all the bats crowd him and Batman begins. And, like, I really like, like, Batman as a character, like, the origin story of, um, you know, his parents and then, like, him going to, I think, Tibet, if I'm correct, maybe, like, one of those Himalayan places. I'm not sure and if they specify uh, Not, uh, I don't know. Sam, you saw it most recently. What country was it? I don't think they. I really don't think they specified. They I really don't. They on. really don't even say. It's like Mongolia, maybe. I, he's like in yeah. like some prison at the beginning with. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it is definitely in an Asian. It's definitely in an Asian country. I don't know which one though. Yeah, yeah. But those scenes with him in the jail and then like him training and like I just love that origin so much and I think they direct that super well. I I I just said that like I I think that he's like probably one of the weakest superhero villains I've seen in a while, Ra's al Ghul. But I think that oh, Batman's yeah. origin so story, like, like the origin story of Batman as a character, w- is the best part of Batman Begins. And I think that's what makes it, like, a pretty solid movie. I agree. The origin story I agree. is very I, I'm good. Kind of like a, you guys yeah, said the exact same thing stories. right there, and it was kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was perfectly timed, wasn't it? The um, fact that Corey and no, I agreed I, on something. That's probably the craziest part. Yeah, yeah, I agree about Batman Begins, though. I think, um, I, I, I guess, as far as like our conversation about blind spots, I, I don't, I wouldn't blame someone for having not seen it. Or at the Dark Knight at this point, I, and I, I think this is part of what you were saying, Samir. It's superseded, you know, like superhero status. It's just like a, 
one of the great crime thrillers of our time. And for that reason, it's it's been cemented as like a must see for any fan of film in, in general. And the status yeah, this thing any... holds, real quick, like, the accolades like it's like number three on IMDb two fifty, and like it's just always talked yeah. about and like regarded as probably one of the it'll probably go down as one of the best or known films of the twenty first century, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's I want to ask a both. quick question about it because. Yeah. Uh, this is just something that I'm always interested in, and I think I sort of alluded to it on a previous episode. Uh, I am fascinated by reading Nolan's films like politically, just because <laughs> uh, I love him as a filmmaker, but like sometimes I really wrestle with where he stands politically. Mass surveillance is good. I, yeah, like, <laughs> like isn't that like I, like do you guys read the ending of this film as as like yo know, Patriot Act is dope? Like we should just mass surveil everyone. Or I mean, like, it, you can I make an argument either way. But. It's certainly interesting because there is the moment between him and Lucius Fox where Lucius is kind of the the angel on his shoulder, and he's like, "I I don't I don't agree with this, uh, but hey, you're Batman, you're outside the law." I mean, I I definitely see some issues with it and i mean i i talked about how there's a film theory video on youtube about how joker is the the real good guy because he's the one going after the uh the the big wigs in gotham yeah, city he really and, is and, like the in, kind in of all a... this in all this stuff <laughs> um it's kind of the moral voice you, of this movie in a I, fucked up yeah way. i i recommend you guys check out i believe it's film theorist video on youtube it's super interesting right. yeah you know well i was my sister and i were talking about ways in which I would change this whole, like, the whole Batman series in general, and I really think if Bruce Wayne was just a very well-off millionaire, this movie would be a lot more, I guess you're kind of rooting for Batman more. When he gets to, like, the richest man in the world, in the, in the city, it's, like, almost hard to, like, really root for him the entire time. Maybe I'm just an asshole, but, like, it's just like, dude, this guy, instead of, he could just invest all of his money into, like, communities and build. There's just so many better ways to use your money than than be a, and they always talk about, like, the vigilanteism of it all. But, like, at the end of the day, he is a vigilante. Like, and I, yeah. you could say it's not because he's, like, you know, he's not doing it for himself. He's doing it for the greater good. It's like, if you're doing it for the greater good, you would just invest a fuck ton of money into, like, public housing. <laughs> And call it a right, day. Obviously, there's a part of him but that loves like, going out in full blown armor and blowing shit up. Like he, he does enjoy his gadgets and his, yeah. his toys. You know? And like I, one of the most vivid uh, shots in the movie is him sliding down that giant pile of money. That that is the Joker, and it, it there he's kind of just like you know what, screw your money. You're not doing anything with it anyway. So I'm just gonna yeah, I'm just gonna burn Do it. You, you know. <laughs> Supposedly, in the next Batman film, The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves, um, a lot of speculation is building towards that the the police, there are certain members of the police who are in on this crime organization um, and are, are kind of involved with it. And that's kind of how you see Commissioner Gordon, because he's not commissioner in this movie, he kind of rises up to it. But that's some of the speculation is that it, he might not entirely be with the police in the Batman. 
that's that's exciting to hear because honestly, I think one of the one of the funny things to me is, um, at least in the third one, I think what's so funny to me is that you know when uh, Officer Blake becomes Robin, like I used to always think like a fucking cop becomes Robin, like that's just <laughs> <Yeah>. so. <laughs> stupid like that is the lamest shit yeah. ever like batman right. himself would never stand for that but like somehow he he liked this guy enough i don't know I, that's that was yeah. a, that was one of my peeves of uh that trilogy as a whole um but i agree that it, it's it's a criticism you can make with uh even specifically the dark knight as well too yeah before we uh before we end our discussion on dark knight i just want to to pry into the brain of the superhero fan himself dane holtz I want to go into your head when you were, how old were you when you first watched The Dark Knight? I would have been, um, I definitely, I mean, it's a very violent movie. I probably shouldn't have seen it at this time, but I would have been nine years old. Oh my God. Damn it. So you were like a third grader or like a fourth grader. Yeah. Um, I want to pry into your brain. What is like one scene that like totally like blew your mind at the time and you were just like how did you react and like what were you thinking at the time i mean you <laughs> for me it would have been the hospital scene when he's walking mm-hmm. around in the nur- in the nurse's costume because i mean now that, that classic reveal st- <laughs> that that scene sticks with me and it sticks with me because one it's one of the few comedic moments in the movie, which was actually improved by Improvised Heath Ledger, by Heath Ledger. where yeah. he gets the the hospital didn't blow up on set, so he just starts pounding the button until it blows up and it shocks. Him. Oh, and it, it it makes that moment. That, it's so it's good. so funny. That so scene ha- has stuck with me forever because, like, I the the visual of him in that in that costume, um. Just how funny it was, because me, nine years old, uh, all I really wanted to see was was Batman and the Joker. So all the deeper themes in that movie just went right over little Dane's head. But like that oh. little funny, colorful little shot of him pressing the button is what is what stuck with me. Good, good, good to hear. I really like that scene too. I specifically, I know it's been memed a lot on Twitter, but the one of him like pulling off the mask to reveal that it's the joker oh yeah you can see a full white face of paint is (laughs) i literally like burst out laughing i was like that is just so ridiculous but i i i guess that there's no other way to write that and it'd be shocking but still so much fun um yeah yeah, you could believe that like his vision is so fucked up in that moment but i i agree there's really no perfect justification for how stupid that moment is (laughs) But yeah, overall, I think I think Dark Knight and and Logan, uh, both great great superhero movies. So, um, you know, if you haven't watched The Dark Knight yet, I don't know how you wouldn't have. Only dummies would have not watched that. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Even though I watched it last night, some idiot with a the film. These dummies, these dummies with mullets. Uh, what <laughs> sorry, was that? Sorry, Dan? Sam. Sorry, Sam. I was being that was very that, nice. That was actually. That question you asked me was probably the sweetest, most sincere moment we've ever had together talking about superhero movies. It definitely so I appreciate is. That. I appreciate that. Yeah, that, and you that just I would agree. Fucking with, yeah. shit on it by making fun of my <laughs> great hair. Yeah, I'm I feel sorry, like we, we do owe you an apology, Sam, because we were all pretty harsh on you 
leading to this discussion. <laughs> you were you were rather civil and respectful towards the Dark Knight and superhero yeah. movies as a whole. Sam, if yeah, there were I mean, two, if there were two movies, I thought you, two superhero films, I thought you would appreciate, um, that are actually based off of uh, like American comic books. Logan and the Dark Knight would be those two. So I am glad you enjoyed them to some degree. Yeah, they're both pretty good. Cool. All right, and from there, you know, we close today's discussion of superhero films. And I think after talking about what we described as, yeah, like a pretty dark and intense movie in The Dark Knight, we need something a little happier, a little more uplifting. Uh, and when you think of some of the more emotional movies out there, I, I feel like this movie is, has to be one of the first ones that comes to mind. And that's Goodwill Hunting. And our very own Dane Holtz, superhero aficionado, uh, he he's he's seen probably pretty much every big movie that there is out there, but he had not seen Goodwill Hunting, uh, and I thought that was a really interesting one for him to bring to us today. Uh, I think it's safe to say that we all know Dane loved this movie, not just because uh, <laughs> Dane is like a, such a positive person, but because the movie's a pretty easy movie to love. But how do we think Dane uh, will react to this one? <laughs> Well, for first off, there's uh, there's no effects in it. <laughs> there, there's no effects in it. You know, <laughs> there's no there's no scene <laughs> the where practical Robin effects of came tears. With, right. <laughs> the, the, there's no scene where Robin Williams came out with ten inch nails and sliced Matt Damon's head off. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no. Um, mine would be mine would be like something along this. <sighs> yeah, guys. I'm just gonna say it. I loved it. I love this movie. I I I just love this movie. It's just so good. I just like you know with yeah. the Matt Damon and like the Robin Williams. I just love Robin Williams. Yeah. Like you just like I just you know I love this movie. It was just so great. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna make guys. It was it was just so good. I I cried like at least four times. Like at least four. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like it was it was so good it made me feel so many emotions such a good movie <laughs> just, you know. oh guys guys you have how spot on were we um i mean pretty darn spot on i mean <laughs> i'm just gonna say it i'm just gonna say it i loved this movie <laughs> um yeah and i mean cory Robin Williams, you guys already said that too. I mean, his range is awesome. He is the the dad of this movie that everyone wants. Um, but uh, I did cry at least. I would say, at least, dude, at no least. shame, Dane. I, I, I this is I, one of I, my I, biggest movie cries ever. Like yeah. that. Like there's I mean, just so many. Oh, this beautiful one can moments. even get me. Yeah, you know, I'm a I'm a cold, unfeeling bitch. Yeah. So. The the. You really have to be heartless not to like this movie. Um, Samir, I, the first time I cried was I love this movie. The the, the 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 second scene between Matt Damon and Robin Williams on the park bench. I mean, come on, dude! Like, yeah. it, it's it's literally it's so well written. It it tugs at me. I I didn't even there there are times where like typically I feel the rock in my throat before I'm about to start crying in a movie, and that final not not even their final scene together but like when they hug for the first time I just mm. I started I started weeping, uh there yeah. there's there's really nothing to 
truly complain about about this one. I it stole my heart. It 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 made me feel like I was a part of something bigger than myself. I I loved oh, it. Oh, Dane. I, g- g- good Dane hunting. I I, I loved it so much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this might be the most, like, positive reception we've ever had to a movie. I didn't know that Samir loved it, too, but this is this is really one of those cinematic feats where it is both so beautiful and so artistically well done and technically done and has such broad appeal. Like, I, this is one of the most popular dramas ever made, Um, and we, we don't get dramas that are this popular very, very often, especially nowadays. And it's just, it's so hard to not love this movie. Like there really isn't anything about this that, you know, even me and I, I pick, I pick at the dumbest little things about movies. I unabashedly think this is one of the greatest movies ever made. It is, it yeah. is so, so good. I, and I, another thing I, I, I think there's, I loved about it. Go ahead, Samir. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I think, to build off Sam, there's there's something in it for literally everyone. Uh, you know, like before I Absolutely. say this, did I freeze? Oh my god. Right. <laughs> Damn. Did he fall we out? need we need Will Hunting to go over and fix uh, Samir's Wi Fi. <laughs> well, I guess I'm back now, right? Can you hear me? You are. We can hear you. Oh, okay. Oh, I can. Okay. I can even see you too. Wow, I was not expecting that. Oh wow. Um, well, anyways, what I was saying is, I think that there's something in this movie for everyone. Um, apparently, it started off as a one act play that Matt De- or Ben Affleck wrote and turned in. Um, and then the professor was like, "I think this has movie potential," so they turned it into a movie. Um, but that's just so so interesting, and like the whole movie, just it really lets it soak in that like drama moment. Real quick, before anyone else does it, shout out Robin Williams, fantastic actor. Oh my god, this movie, if anything else, like, like I know like all the performances in this movie are good, this is a weird comparison to make, but like, just how we were talking about Heath Ledger and the Joker, like, <laughs> Robin Williams uh, in the Dead Poet Society, not that they're two similar characters, but I think that both of the actors really just make their presence so known and felt, you know? Did did Robin Williams now, now win for this it, Robin movie? Williams would have been a good Joker. He would have made a <laughs> yeah, great Joker. Oh my god! He would have been an interesting Joker. He would have. That would be interesting. No, Robin Williams absolutely fucking kills it in this movie, and I actually think this is Matt Damon's best acting performance ever. Ever too. Yeah, I'm it, surprised to say this because I don't think him or he or Ben Affleck are are exceptional amazing actors, actors. But I think they're yeah. both very very good in this. He, he's he's 20 years old in the movie. Uh, his birthday's at the end, and he really sells that just angsty, super defensive teenage, uh, not teenage, but uh, young kid it, so well. And all of his emotional moments in the movie are are slightly over-exaggerated, but not in a bad way. It, it, it's, in the, it's in the best way possible. Um and uh, another thing that is just, it's more subtle, but it's also, it's, it's not as at the forefront like Robin Williams and Matt Damon's relationship, but uh, Matt Damon's relationship with, uh, I think his name's Chuck, uh, Ben Affleck's character, and the other two, Kate with Casey Affleck, it, that is also so well done 
the fact that they're th- just these hard asses throughout the entire movie. And then there's that moment where Matt or Ben Affleck's just like, I cannot, the, the best day of my life will be when I knock on your door and you're, you don't answer. And that just, oh, that ripped my heart out. such a good That part. ripped my heart out. And it offered a great conclusion to his friends as well as to like Matt Damon and Robin Williams. I, yeah. I'm going to say it. I, I loved you- it. Yeah. Yeah. Even this like it's really, the really log great. Line, like the log line of genius janitor owns privileged kids at like Harvard and like institutions like that is just that's the hooking point. But then there's just so much more of like how Will Hunting is like this super torn and complex character. Um my introduction to this movie was actually an AP psych when our so our teacher was talking about like moments of release and catharsis. And he showed the scene from Goodwill Hunting where, like, he's, like, defending himself. And then he's yelling at um, Robin Williams, the therapist character. And then finally he starts crying in Robin Williams' arms. So he builds up that defense moment and then there's that release. Um, the fact that this movie scene was an example of a, the notion of catharsis just shows you how powerfully, like, like how, just how powerful this movie is and, like, how well it kind of communicates this concept that it comes up in like psych classes and stuff. Um, I think love for movie. a lot of men, this like this movie is um, well loved by so many people. But one of my favorite things about it is for like the men watching, like Robin Williams kind of represents, like Dane said, the dad you always wanted. But it, it also it's interesting. It's always the hug you always wanted when you were like as mad and angsty when you were, you know, going through puberty or like when you were in college, like you always wish that you had had someone who just says, like Robin Williams says, he, he goes, it's okay. It's okay. Like he repeats it a couple times. And for me, that's such a cathartic moment. Cause that's something I had always wished I had heard growing up. It's so, I, so I agree good. that like, it, it's really important to get these kinds of uh, depictions of like masculine, and masculine relationships and like a type of masculinity that's less i feel like we're less comfortable talking about uh, in movies and even you know this movie's tw- uh 23 years old and to be honest i don't think uh it we've gotten too many other stories like this in the years since that that's so openly uh show like the, this like what like kind of or just, like talk about what it means to be a man the way this one does throughout the whole movie you really get the sense that he is growing this connection with Robin Williams where you have points where he's still defensive, but he's asking like, Oh, like when am I meeting with, uh, Sean? Like why? I, or I don't want to finish her session yet and stuff like that. And it's just the way it's built up. It is so well done. And, uh, uh, one of the other things I have to say is just a, a lot of movies, especially with, uh, dramas I feel like um, well just with any movie in general like side characters can get really shelved and not get fleshed out and all the side characters in this movie uh, they might not have like full arcs or anything but they really do support the main cast so well and uh, someone who I didn't know was in it was Stellan Skarsgård and he is awesome mm. because he very much represents like that masculinity at at what happens when you grow up to, as an adult and you don't 
face this uh letting your guard down yeah to be honest guys i almost feel like it's like it's almost like a ble- or a curse that this movie is as sweet and good as it is cuz I almost have less to say about it as a result. Like, I I I'm like yeah I'm like struggling to come up with anything to say. I just like yeah. I mean, it, and that's not a fault of the movie. Obviously, it's just like um, usually I can't shut up about these things, but with this one, I just I'm so content. I've always felt so content with Goodwill Hunting. It's as a just movie. a warm blanket. Like it's a warm yeah, blanket of a movie a that you just sit there. Of, of a, Dude, it's a blanket the, movie. The other thing yeah. that I was like, could you possibly make this movie any more sad? Is the fact that. I would say at least the ninety five percent of the songs used in this movie are just Elliot Smith, and yeah, it is a lot of Elliot Smith. And I forgot about that. It, I'm like, do you? Matt Damon was going through a phase. I was gonna sure. say like, do you want to send me spiraling into a depression with this? And then, thank God the movie ends happy because yeah, like that. Yeah, well, you know, it's like, and I don't, I don't uh, dislike music when it's just part of. Of what a film is trying yeah. to do, I don't. I I dislike it when, you know, it kind of does the writing for the rest well, of the it movie. It doesn't. It, yeah, but, it doesn't necessarily have a purpose, more or less. Right, like, or it's it's almost like it's trying to do all the heavy lifting. Yeah. Whereas here, I mean, you have amazing performances, a beautiful script. Uh, there, there are a lot of other parts that work uh, to make Goodwill Hunting as emotional and effective as it is. And I should add because another thing I, I usually dislike are movies like this that are overly sentimental. Like I, I almost always, uh, you know, just kind of reject those kinds of movies. But I also think there's there's like a humility and a and a down to earthness about Goodwill Hunting that it never feels like it's really trying to make you feel a certain way. It's just presenting like a really, um, just like authentic relationship between these two guys, uh, and and you just sort of buy in as a result. Speaking of that, my favorite part, I think, probably one of my favorite parts of this movie is um when it's that one line where he's looking at that guy and he's like uh so like the guy questions him yeah you're just a janitor you don't know anything he's like the difference between you and me is that you paid four years of tuition or whatever to get the same knowledge that i learned in this seminal or like some book i'm forgetting the exact line but you know what i'm talking about yeah it's along the lines it's after the guy is like the economic modalities of South America or something. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Some yeah. bullshit. Of, like, pure society. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, and then he's like... Jordan Peterson totally, type. Yeah. He rips and, him apart. He's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> and and because I really can't say enough about how amazing Robin Williams is, the one moment that is is just such a release is, which I did know going into this, the scene, that it was... Um, improv going back to improvisation in film um, was the the part when uh, Sean is talking about how his wife used to fart when she was nervous. Oh and yeah, I like that. Yeah. I forgot about. I totally that, forgot about that, that. It was just so lighthearted, and I looked it up, and like Matt Damon, that's actually him just cracking up at this story Robin Williams was telling. <laughs> and, oh, that's so sweet. And like that's <sighs> the thing, like just the the sheer childhood innocence that robin williams can bring to everything is amazing and the other moment that comes to my mind is whenever he was talking about the the red sox world series and they're both running around his office and they're kind of they're they're jumping around and all that stuff and it 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 just it puts such it made me feel so warm on the inside it it really did it's yeah. just such a such a sweet movie 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of a better sales pitch uh, for the the few out there who may have not seen Goodwill Hunting to to watch it than that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really glad we got to include that one because it it is I think, you know, it's not I, I think it, it's fitting, you know, as as we move into our our final blind spot of the night, it's fitting that the three of us, Sam and Samir, watched like these big franchise types that we had missed out on at some point or another, mm-hmm. and and uh, Dane having obviously covered all those bases um, was able to catch up with like a really really awesome. Uh, drama you know in, in this case goodwill hunting um but with that uh my final blind spot the one that it is about time that i've finally seen uh is not just one two but three movies it's it's the lord of the rings trilogy Corey so, easily I, I, had the hardest task out of all of us yeah i i, yeah. I, I appreciate I you so, saying that for sure yeah <laughs> i i appreciate it. i really want to be recognized here because i think you know, my <laughs> dedication ego to this a little. podcast yeah, my dedication to this podcast can never be put into question after I watched nearly 10 hours of Lord of the Rings content in just the past few days alone. I have a lot of thoughts. We probably could have done – you could probably create an entire podcast like series that is just about Lord of the Rings because it's that you know deep of a universe. There's so many already but... out there probably you know, on yeah, Lord right. of the Rings. No, exactly. yeah, you're, you're probably right. They're, they're all, you have to watch it and then translate it from Elfish. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what Colbert Colbert learned. Stephen Colbert learned Elfish and like read the entire trilogy in Elfish. I'm pretty sure that's fucking like, dope. There's, that's, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's there's like, fans absurd, that love it that awesome. much. Well, with that, yeah. um, there's fans that love it. And I don't mean I think I think it's pretty loved all around. So I won't say there's an there's an opposite side. I I, I want to hear from you guys now. Oh you know, right, now, now we have to. to. Yeah, yeah, we, oh, we yeah. really we, went oh, in. We on, get to make on, fun on of Corey. So I'm a little afraid. <laughs> I feel like I was dishing it out a little bit too much today. I'm a little worried <laughs> what I'm about to get in return. Okay, I'll start. I'll start. Yeah, guys, I don't know. Like, I mean. <laughs> Let's just say, like, we are so lucky to be in a world with Peter Jackson, who he's not making this bullshit like Soul. Like, this is in itself its own movie. Like, I mean, yeah, like, you can say there's, like, parts that aren't good. But, like, in the end, like, we really get at at what it makes a great movie. And that is, you know... People like to think that Lord of the Rings is about, you know, friendship or about adventure. But really what Lord of the Rings is about is a completely unrelated thing that this movie is not about. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. I think think, think the whole trilogy is kind of covered by J.R.R. Tolkien's imperialistic attitudes. And if we take like a political (laughs) reading towards it, uh, we can see that like, you know, elves being uh, some form of surveillance kind of like ruins the whole the whole world of it. <laughs> yeah, it, it would go along the lines of, uh, um, uh, guys. I mean, I I just have to say, like, this movie is it's technically it's amazing. Like the stuff they were able to pull off. It, it's <laughs> the stuff they were pulling. It, it was awesome. You, you, you can you can really see where the where the influence comes in. I mean, yes, some of the dialogue may be a little weird, but I mean, <laughs> when you look at it, like the way that Jackson was just pulling in real world politics and the idea of 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 just accepting your true self by throwing the ring into the volcano, like 
It, it really is pretty <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and also, it, 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 uh, you, um, you uh, you know about uh, our blog, but in case you didn't know, you can uh, <laughs> tune into to, to, yeah. to my blog. Um, <laughs> Uh, or yeah, or see some of my articles on Screen Rant. <laughs> uh, I, I tried pitching a complete elfish article on Screen Rant. Screen Rant completely. Uh, they 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 were not for that idea at all. They actually fired me on the spot. <laughs> on the spot because apparently people regularly don't know Screen Rant. I think film literacy is an important thing that we need to talk. about. <laughs> well, actually, I, I I wanted to mention to you guys that my next article for Screen Rant is going to be why Sound of Metal is the better version of Soul. Like, so I, 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 oh, you that. got it out? I've, you seriously yeah, got they, it? Yeah, they they approved my pitch, so get ready for that yeah, one. You yeah, fucking yeah. poked and prodded and finally hurt hurt those Pixar uh, fanboys. <laughs> oh my god, this is ever this is Corey's biggest dream come true. But I gotta say, like it was it was really uh easy all night to sit here and like make fun of each of you. Like it was really funny. But damn, when you're in the hot seat there, you really you, you really start to learn a lot about yourself. You really start to, to, to like look at yourself in the mirror a little bit. So uh I'm glad I was safe for last. <laughs> I, I might have uh, not been able to make it to the rest of the episode otherwise. But uh yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, I again, mean we were worn out. If you were in the beginning, we would come at you with with claws. Yeah. With I still I still think claws. Sam got it worse tonight. We let Sam. Uh, oh, like it, it, it turned into like an MTV roast. A two minute hot seat. I got fifteen minute pure decimation of my character and like everything I hold dear. And your haircut at one point. Yeah, dude. I'm sorry about that. I, I'm sorry about that. We. <laughs> From day guys, yeah, from day no less. If if yeah, if I'm you like, guys are wondering why, if, if you guys are wondering why Sam's head is shaved the next episode is is because I let out <laughs> a, a ruthless comment. <laughs> I'm gonna show up like Riz Ahmed and Sound of Metal. <laughs> Just so you're, you're gonna live stream shaving your head on our new YouTube. <laughs> hey, I should, I should YouTube live it. Good call. Yeah. Oh man. But yeah, I me mean, guys. So I watched. I watched three, three plus hour films this this week, three Lord of the Rings films, and I'll I'll start off right, right off the bat by saying uh, I really 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 like this trilogy a lot. I was a little worried, I'll be honest, after watching Fellowship of the Ring. I, I'm we should get into like maybe like a trilogy ranking at some like really briefly at some point, but this is definitely my least favorite of the three. I Agreed. really did not enjoy probably the first hour of it to be honest. Um, I think once like this quest really kicks underway and once you're like, um, you know, we mentioned at the top of the episode, Samir compared Logan to the last of us. And I'm sure this is comparison has been made a bunch, but the Lord of the Rings felt like literally any, like I, and, and it obviously Zelda is a reason game. that so many other fantasy worlds have been inspired by it because it was, it sort of established the template, but it reminded me of playing Skyrim, it reminded me of watching Game of Thrones. Like it reminded me of all these kind of universes. But not just because, oh yeah, duh, like it's a, it's a similar kind of fantasy world. It, it's the way it focuses on like this cast of characters going on a quest together. That very specific narrative approach I thought was really cool and um, just like much more overt here than it is in, in maybe similar stories. But yeah, overall, wasn't a huge fan of Fellowship of the Ring. I felt like it was basically three hours of just setup for the other two. Like not too much happens in that movie in and of itself. But these next two movies, man, are fucking fantastic. 
I, yeah, uh, if I had second. to rank them right here, I'll say right now, I would say the third is my favorite, then the second, then the first. But that's kind of splitting hairs. But I think the two and three are both really, 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 really good. Uh, I quickly want to shout out uh, Andy Circus, who plays Gollum. Oh, oh, yeah. I think you guys know how much I love Planet of the Apes and how much I, I rave over his performance as Caesar in, in that trilogy. Um, he, this guy really is like a huge talent. We uh, we should be very grateful to be like kind of <laughs> watching movies. I knew it. Once I said it, I was like, fuck. Um, <laughs> so we, we should be grateful to have a guy like Andy Serkis to be, to be doing this kind of really work with the motion capture because he actually is one of the better performers of our generation. It's just easy to forget when it's layered under so much CGI. But that, I was going to say, yeah. Corey, like, I'm, uh, I firmly believe that we're going to get to a point where we're going to start to see characters who are fully CG be nominated for Oscars. I mean, as crazy as that sounds, like, I really, like, if you watch some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that Andy Serkis does as Gollum, it's insane. Like, he is... Yeah, it's crazy body acting. It, it really yeah. is. And the way he, he moves his face and, and all around, like, it's such a fantastic performance. And And obviously, like, to this day, why people i i mean i would i would i would say honestly one of the most uh popular impressions i ever hear is someone doing smeagol or or Gollum. Yeah. and and by the way circus brought that performance my, character to life my quick question is have any of you read the book the lord of the ring book maybe we i have not my dad read the first chapter of lord of the rings to my sister and i when we were 7 and i fell asleep and okay. <laughs> we never picked so, it back up. I real I always wanted to get into it. My entire family has read it except for me. I've I've read the books and one thing I want to mention briefly is that what makes this cuz we were talking about Golem, what makes this um that particularly in this whole all of these movies so crazy is that like the movies are such a fantastic adaptation of the book in that like there's not like the books are obviously really good and well written, but like there's not a lot of description in the sense of like the visual we get of like Gollum. Like for example, like we don't really get to see Gollum. There's some there's some description there, but Peter Jackson slash the artistic director slash whoever worked on this, the way they made Gollum is just so cool, and that has become such a mainstay. Like my definition of how permanent something is in our culture is if it gets parodied on Family Guy. And <laughs> Gollum has been Gollum has been parodied. Interesting, on perfect barometer. So perfect yeah. barometer. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's been on there so many times, and just like you just what keep popping that, up so much. Um, I just think it's yeah. so cool. Like looking at that like creature, and especially this is brought to life by Andy Serkis's performance. But it's just like it's scary to look at. It's like so. It's like you can't take your eyes off it. It's like you're watching it yeah. like this. Well, uh, well I, I think what, too... what I didn't know about Gollum, I'll just say this real quick because again, I never seen these movies, and you know, you Lord of the Rings is so ingrained in pop culture. I've seen it referenced so many times. Like speaking of, you know, this whole, the premise of this episode is you know posing and pretending you've seen movies that that, that you hadn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Matt Kelly when we would go out to the bars used to always like quote this movie, uh, and like he'd point to Kathy and refer to it as the eye of Sauron like like, yeah. like as if like we were like a group of guys going on like a, an adventure the same way they do uh in this film you just know, to like, go like, get drunk I'm yeah. going on an adventure yeah yeah no exactly yeah. So, um so and I used to play along with that just like I'd be like oh yeah whatever 
but like I, there were so many things that I didn't know about this world, and and one of them is we're talking about Gollum. I I guess I just thought he was like just this kind of like creepy like evil side character that just like kind of shows up and you eventually all comes together. But I full think backstory. the yeah, well the full backstory is excellent. But the That's chemistry great. between him, Frodo, and Samwise Ganji, like as like a trio, like and 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 like their adventures they go on throughout the second and third films. I think are that's to me probably the movie at its strongest. I think it's a really interesting dynamic. Yeah, I was gonna say like this or this trilogy uh, operates very much like Star Wars. It brought something so new to to screen, and we like there are podcasts about Lord of the Rings, and one of the things uh, I think could take up a lot of discussion is just how. Technically, from a visual standpoint, here I am talking about visual effects. You guys nailed that impersonation perfectly. <laughs> um, is shocking. I mean, you have Gollum, who is his full CG character. That when you watch, I mean, Corey, you could probably say this too. Like when you watch these movies now, he looks so great today as yeah, I, as he did when it came out. They're not even a little bit dated. Yeah. Not even a little bit. Dated. I, well, I love watching behind the scenes uh uh videos about the making of this trilogy because there are so many C- uh computer generated programs that Lord of the Rings created that are still used today and yeah. the way they they uh film certain scenes I-, I recommend that listeners and you guys even watch how they film the scene at the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring uh, with all the perspective stuff and how they make Gandalf look so huge and the hobbits look small in the in the hut, it it really is like everything from storytelling to how uh, cinema is filmed. Like it it really is just a, a celebration of everything movies. Like everything that goes into making a great movie from uh, a technical standpoint and the storytelling standpoint, like. These films are just, they're masterpieces, and they will forever be masterpieces. Yeah, I mean, it it is still mind-blowing to this day that the third won Best Picture. Like, that, I just, it, it it's shocking if you read down a list of Best Picture winners of the this millennium, that's still always surprising. But, I mean, like Dane said, I'm not normally a huge fan of, like, big big budget like blockbusters but like when they use their budget so well and so beautifully like it really shows you just the amazing scale that a, a, a movie like this can do like they go there's so many different scenes in this movie like they are it it really like the budget helps demonstrate just how insane of a journey this is and yet the journey is also just like a beautiful friendship journey at, at the heart of it. Like it's, you know, a story about Frodo and Samwise, uh, like experiencing a world outside of their little, uh, the little Hobbit hut that they grew up in. Um, yeah. One thing that always blew my mind about these two and uh, I, I sort of get having watched it, but I'm, it still kind of shocks me is just that fans were so accepting, accepting with open arms of a trilogy with three three-hour movies. I mean, like, that is a 
huge ask of your huge audience. Undertaking. Like, and that is just not something I don't. I don't think we'll ever get that again. Audiences are no. already looking for for quicker content, uh, but these movies don't feel their length at all. I mean, I, I'm especially I never the last will, two. Yeah, especially you're right. But and, and I I never feel or I'll never fault a movie for being long. I I love long movies and I actually love being able to know you're really gonna like dive into them. Uh, but I I did think I was like, geez, like what kind? How much story did they really tell in three hours? And somehow there's really not a lot of time wasted. Like I said, I do think the first one acts as a little bit too much as a setup. But once we really do get going with that that adventure, um, there's really not any time wasted. And I wouldn't want any other version of this movie. And and I, I do want to spend some time talking about the, the very, very end of the trilogy. Uh, because I do think the strongest... I think the strongest part of any of the movies, to me personally, is all of that that closure we get at the end of return of the king is the third mm-hmm. right yeah return yep. of the king yeah. um just because I, I was thinking about this too right so on on uh dane's episode of our secret santa series we talked about mystic river and one of the scenes that uh, i know sam and samir really weren't a huge fan of was that parade scene at the end mm-hmm. um and i and I, I sort of was reminded of that scene here because you know there's a moment at the very end of return of the king where the hobbits have returned to their home and they're sitting in a pub and they all look at each other and they're and they're they all got a drink in their hand and they all just kind of look around at the people around them just minding like and they're everyone's minding their own business just having a good time they look at each other and they smile they're waiting on some dialogue and there's nothing there's no dialogue and in that moment is just like everything you need to know about the journey they've been on the what they're thinking what they're saying to one another and compare that to a mystic river where i think a lot of our complaint was like uh, do we really need them to sit here and like talk about what just happened? Like, do we really need them to yeah. like unpack all that? This movie doesn't feel the need to unpack it in the explicit sense, but it does give it take its time. Like this, the third one is twenty minutes longer than the other than the first two because it's taking its time to just give you that last bit of closure. And I, I don't know. I just thought that was a really beautiful thing that, especially like big budget blockbusters, usually don't waste time doing. Yeah, Agreed. that's something that it's funny because I. I often hear it's it's joked about a lot is that when you watch Return of the King, they're like they do all those fades and you get essentially like a new ending every time and people are like, Yeah, Return of the King and it's six endings. And it's like, well, yeah. well when you when you look at it, <laughs> it, it really is it's warranted. I mean, you have this nine hour long story and you have to give reasonable conclusion uh to to everything and it, it separate it with the fades i feel like that really separates all the stories and and just wraps up everything up, wraps everything up with such like a sweet little sincere bow at the end of it and in it adds this uh sense of just mysticism of you just experienced this perhaps the most but uh, j- definitely one of the most epic trilogies ever anything but the film and this is your reward you you can relax now like here here's the here's the conclusion you can you can breathe you can enjoy the conclusion and and uh yeah i, I mean i i personally love how how return of the king ends how how awesome is that the shire theme i love that theme so much the, oh yeah da, yeah da, 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 da. <laughs> So good. Well, I talking Absolutely. about specific specific moments. I mean, one of my all time favorite moments in 
anything Lord of the Rings is when Gandalf shows up in two towers and he's got he's oh, he's yeah. in white. He shows up to save the day. Corey, like the white wizard. When you were wa- yeah. So when you were watching that, like, what were your thoughts? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I was surprised that he like that Gandalf, obviously, uh, you know, I was surprised to see that happen to him at the end of the first film just because. I was like, wait, I thought th- I thought Gandalf was like basically the face of this entire trilogy. Um, but when he does reappear in that way, oh man, it's so cool. I mean, like, I don't know, it, that was the moment that I realized watching this trilogy that I was really into this, you know, like, I, I was worried part of me that um, no matter how much I liked these movies, I wouldn't be able to capture that same kind of magic that I'm sure a lot of you guys associate with it because you watched it growing up and... Uh, it's just like it's been something that you've sat with and been a part of the discourse on, you know, but it's pretty easy to buy into these characters in this world. And that that again was the moment that I was like, fuck, like I'm, I'm really invested in, in, in what's happening here. And like, I, I'm already like, I, I, I know that they're not supposed to be as good, but I, I'm really excited to watch the Hobbit trilogy just because like I, I'm invested in this Lord of the Rings universe now. And I'm, they're making an Amazon prime series mm-hmm. too as well. I don't know if you yeah, guys know that. Yeah. Yeah. It has yeah. a $200 set, million set, think... dollar budget. Damn, yeah, for real? Yeah. God damn. I mean, these every single I think every single movie in this trilogy set the new record for budget of a movie at the time. Or at least I remember that to be the case because these were all just like so the scope got bigger and bigger and bigger. But the interesting thing is that like like we said, there's no artistic integrity sacrificed with all the money. Like it doesn't rest on its laurels of being a visually beautiful movie because like you could watch this purely for the visuals and be intrigued or entertained oh and that's the last thing but real like, quick i just want to say really quickly that peter jackson mm-hmm. is like he really deserves attention as like i mean i know he is obviously considered a great director I mean, he won best one, director right but one thing i think he's known as like this grand storyteller and he obviously is but one thing is that i i I want to go back and watch some of his earlier films because he's one of the best creature designers of any director. I mean, he's right up there with a carpenter at yeah. Cronenberg. I mean, with that that kind of like just gruesome creature design. The orcs yeah. in this movie look so fucking orcs cool. Are all, so the all the different races are awesome. That's exactly I mean, what I was trying to get at earlier too yeah. when talking about Gollum, Corey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he does it with CG and and practical effect. It's really really impressive. Yeah. And yeah. one of my favorite jackson movies is king kong where that's i think that to me is also one of the best visualizations of, of kong like he's he's been doing this his whole his whole career and he and i i'm, I'm just excited to sink my teeth into, into more jackson beyond yeah. his like you know big budget obvious ones. well i that's the thing too with lord of the rings it really fell in this sweet spot of cgi they were pushing what was everything that was possible to be able to be put on screen with computer effects but also they they didn't sacrifice what they could do with practical. It it really is like this perfect blend of of everything that has and, created amazing science fiction films with uh, just the makeup that goes into it. And he he doesn't he doesn't sacrifice, I guess, uh, what would have possibly been seen as more easy to do with just doing CGI. But also at the time, like CGI, it took a a long time. It took a very long time to make these films because none of the programs that are used today were made. Like they they really paved the way for your spectacle films like Endgame and, and stuff like that. 
I think a big part so, of why the effects look so good during this time is a lot what Dane just said, but also so much of this is done on site. Like you can tell, especially like when I'm watching an MCU vi- a movie, I can tell so often that this is, I'm literally just looking at a green screen in a studio. This, all, this is almost all exclusively filmed in New Zealand and in parts of Ireland. Oh, the landscapes are amazing. And, and the landscapes are so cool, and the intersection of CGI with the breathtaking mm-hmm. landscapes makes it just so so cool. Like, and it's it's a type of like most directors nowadays don't go on site like that for shots, so it looks very computer generated. Um, but these are like very there's like a sense of you know earthiness that you don't normally get that makes it so so cool for a lot of the the destruction yeah i i was gonna say for like the battle sequences and like this destruction on set um like going back where they really mix cg and practical is for a lot of those sets they actually made little miniatures um that were i shouldn't say little they were massive miniatures uh to be able to have the camera go in and out um one of the scenes where is it specifically they're they're going in through through a cave and the camera's like weaving in and through throughout through the cave and it's going through bridges Corey what scene is that is that what the like the fire like the fire yes demon that yeah it's it's around that time okay that's what i thought yeah yeah but like that's a really cool scene that was pretty much a miniature with little cgi elements like bats and stuff so wow that's fucking cool so yeah i mean i I mean you think about when these movies were made they do kind of straddle that line between you know you're coming off like a matrix a few years prior which you know i I love the special effects in the matrix but they're obviously very heavily uh relying upon cg um but you're so you're straddling that line between the new and the old and i think jackson walks it perfectly I just looked it up, and it looks like Peter Jackson's next is going to be a documentary about the Beatles. So I'm really interested in the creature design and CGI that's going to huh. go on there. <laughs> well, yeah, he's been doing doc stuff. I don't know if you, did you guys see "They Shall Not Grow Old"? That's a really interesting. Uh, it, it, is that the is that the documentary where they took like a ton of war footage and basically just re- yeah, and they colored it. Yeah, that's like it's pretty incredible like that's the thing with like peter jackson's brilliance is he he really is he's trying to do such a different things with what you can put the screen and lord of the rings is just the, a testament to his brilliance Corey, is there anything that you would say you didn't like bes- uh, within the trilogy besides like the fellowship's kind of reliance on setting the pace of it yeah well there there were two things that and um and there i wanted to ask you guys about these as well one of the things I didn't love is I honestly, if you ask me to choose who I think is the weakest character in the trilogy, I think my answer would be Frodo. I don't know if that's mm. a hot take or not. I really don't know how fans feel about different characters. But I personally, I love Aragorn. I thought I loved uh, Legolas and Gimli. I thought they had a really fun dynamic. What about uh, Samwise Ganji? I think, yeah, Samwise Ganji, I would fucking, you could, I would get on a sword for that man. I love him <laughs> to death already. Um, yeah, he's the best. And I honestly, I thought um, Elrond was really cool too. I thought Hugo Weaving was really fun in that role as as Elrond. Um, but for, like Frodo, I, his kind of like like na- like naivete and just like general um, like childishness, mm-hmm. while like cute, it just sometimes I feel like it didn't 
it didn't carry the movie. It, he had a good enough chemistry with Samwise that I honestly never complained all that much because I I thought they bounced each other out really well. But I think that's part of the reason I didn't love the first one as much is because you get a lot more Frodo in that one. It's pretty much uh, all Frodo. Pretty much all Frodo, exactly. So I is, is that, I don't know, like, how do fans feel about the, I, that's what I, what I wanted to ask you guys too, is who are some of your favorite characters in this trilogy and how do you feel about Frodo? I, I mean, think for it me, should like... be worth noting that, I was just going to say, it should be worth noting that most main characters are just kind of annoying, like Harry and Harry Potter, Percy, Percy Jackson, <laughs> like, I guess that is characters true, yeah. are just irritating, like, yeah. self-absorbed and like, well, whiny. Well, I, I always, <laughs> I always go back to, uh, just... I mean, there are epic characters in this trilogy, but like Samwise Ganji and Frodo, their relationship I think is is awesome. Uh, specifically at the moments where it's almost like Samwise Ganji is just he's talking Frodo off the ledge so much throughout this movie. Um, even like up until when uh, Gollum bites off Frodo's finger, like that, like which was gnarly, yeah, like. Samwise Ganji, he, I said it earlier in this episode, um, I forget what it was exactly, but he very much is like the angel throughout the story. He is that moral compass for, uh, for Frodo, where he's just like, hey, listen, dude, like, this ring, I don't think it's good news. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, he always says that. Yeah, that, that, that exact time. line. He's like, I, I don't have, dude, this bruh like this this ring like do you really need this <laughs> ring like come on man <laughs> what yeah, so i mean of you... of of yeah, uh, well, just I to answer Corey's question about like my favorite my favorite characters from the thing like i'll always love like the legolas like gimli relationship mm-hmm. i think that is like one of the funniest parts of the movie and it, like an underrated part about the Lord of the Rings is that it is a very funny movie throughout. Like there, it is very lighthearted at times, which balances. And in that kind sense, of, like, I love epic... Gimli maybe the most. I thought Gimli was really funny. Yeah, the Gimli Legolas is good. It's interesting that you liked Aragorn. Like I kind of think of him as the weakest character in it normally, just because I don't think like the Galadriel Aragorn relationship is all that interesting. Um. But I, just love I mean, Samwise is great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's a great actor in it. But uh, yeah, like the Sam got Samwise, Gimli, and uh, like Loss are definitely my three favorite characters from the trilogy. Bringing it I'm back to right you, there with you. Bringing it back to you, Corey. Uh, kind of the opposite of what Sam asked. What were your What was your favorite moment in this trilogy? There is a There are a ton of moments to love. There are quotable scenes. I mean, action scenes that will be forever ingrained in cinema. But what what was your favorite moment in the trilogy? Yeah, so it's definitely um, in the third one. During I know that I know there's like a what's the what's the name that they refer to that the big battle uh, that happens like you know like two thirds of the way through the movie. Like I know there's a, a more common nickname for it, but um, there's a very uh, specific that whole oh, battle I- the way it's it's choreographed. Blackgate. It's like the something. Well, it's it's outside Blackgate. Maybe that is uh, what then. The Battle of the Morning. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah, like I I don't know. I don't. I I I I feel like the somewhere like the something fields. I thought. I don't know. I I feel like I I sound like I uh, haven't watched the movies, but 
There's a specific <laughs> moment during oh, that ba- battle. the battle of the Pelennor Fields. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're out. Yeah, the Pelennor Fields. Yeah. yeah. There's a specific moment where uh, Legolas is swinging from. I think they're called Olafons in the movie, like the elephant creatures. Mm-hmm. But the, in the world, they're called Olafons, and he's swinging from the leg to leg, like while attacking like both oh, yeah, uh, such a cool on one. it and and everyone around it. And just the way Jackson like films that scene and the camera's swinging along with him, it's like moving all around. It is just it's so fun. I mean, I, that whole battle I think is probably my favorite part of the of the um trilogy but that specific moment stood out to me as like this is some of the most um uniquely choreographed action yeah. i've seen in a movie in a long long it, time so and all the battles cool. i'll say this um i again i couldn't help but put it into conversation with game of thrones in my head because that was kind of the yeah. most similar universe that i've ex- i've experienced uh like this the battle of winterfell doesn't hold a fucking candle to the battle of the Prenton, uh what we call the pu- the pea fields battle <laughs> of the <laughs> fields Pelliner fields doesn't hold a candle to that one. Doesn't hold a candle to the Battle of Helm's Deep. It doesn't hold a candle to a single battle in this movie I th- or in this trilogy. I think they're all fucking yeah. fantastic. And that's the thing too, where I, I think Jackson does an excellent. Well, I should say in a lot of movies with battles, often or just action scenes in general, a lot of that emotional weight can get lost, and Jackson carries consequence and emotional weight so well throughout these action scenes it, it it the action scenes don't feel like they're just in the movie for for visual spectacle they drive the plot um and i think that is something that is often in in a lot of action films lost is that you have these action scenes just for the fact that you want to see some action where lord of the rings like there are stakes involved, and you you can feel those stakes. And uh, going back to Jackson, like the the way he balances that is awesome. Yeah, again, like that's about... why it is like a video game in my head is that it 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 very overtly feels like it's going from like quest to quest to quest to battle to battle to battle, and it's it's that's not like that could sound like it means it's too heavily structured but if anything it feels like lord of the rings established the structure that i've seen so many other fantasy worlds take on yeah yeah like so many like high school english teachers um talk about that like hero's journey thing i'm sure you guys have like heard of like the famous i think it was carl jung or whatever um but this this is like the joseph campbell for, the, the yeah, perfect joseph, hero's yeah. journey yeah it's like the template yeah. for the hero's journey and i think that like it almost makes you think that the hero's journey was devised based on these or like the it, story of it really Lord does. Of the it's true yeah like anytime um, i hear that phrase i immediately think of frodo yeah it's just and i think even if you like were to put that on youtube like it would just be scenes of lord of the rings um i just think that you know as like a bottom line to describe this trilogy this was such a special and rare moment in world <laughs> film history and just film history and it's so crazy that like like the reception to it when it came out the excitement how well it still lives up i i don't think that we've gotten anything like this yet um at least in like a lot probably of probably never ways will. um we really haven't that's what's crazy we really haven't i was thinking about that samir i was like has this been repeated in the two decades since and it really hasn't and it's just hey, like put when some respect out, on percy jackson series movies <laughs> yeah that was right. the big cultural phenomenon I mean, that's two Percy out, Jackson wait, references. Hold, in one hold on, guys. It, like, blew I mean, everyone's mind. It, it, I would feel ashamed if I didn't defend the MCU. 
No, I'm I kidding. knew you were. Uh, I know. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, here. Fuck you. No, 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 no. no. I, I'm kidding here. I, I mean, I love the MCU, but even I can, I, I can say that it. There are moments in it where it's just like, well, you don't need to see that movie to get the gist of it, or 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 whatever. Well, the, the yeah. Lord of the Rings I mean, truly well, is actually... special in the sense that it carries, uh, such a linear narrative across three films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's the final point that I wanted to close our conversation with. That you, you you know you just let me to Dane is this is what I've sort of been going back and forth on um, as it relates to these movies and just kind of franchises in general. Because you do have nowadays the approach is the MCU approach, which is like, yeah, we're going to tell these big overarching stories, but we're also going to do it through these mass universes that'll branch off in all these different directions. And I mean, with now that it's MCU is becoming TV shows and all these things, there's an argument to be made that maybe it's stretching itself too thin. It's no longer telling like a one singular story. Um, but then you have the franchise approach of old. You have the the Matrix trilogy, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, like the Star Wars trilogies followed this. this the before trilogy. Trilogy. What? The before trilogy. The before yeah, trilogy. Even though, even, though, even the before trilogy. No, but of three <laughs> movies telling a one singular sprawling story and and being willing to, to call it a day after that, like I don't know, I think there's something to be said for that that we are kind of losing that. But this is what, and this is what the question I have for you guys is: this is what I'm not, I don't know the answer to it. Do you think that each Lord of the Rings film stands perfectly on its own? Because the one thing I will say for the MCU is that we at least can separate all those films out. Each of those films do sort of stand on their own in that they're they're just like different strands of a universe, you know. Like you could make an argument that. The two towers just bleeds right into the Return of the King. Like they're like they. I, there was a reason that I had to watch all three of these for this episode. I couldn't just watch one; yeah. it wouldn't have made sense. So, do, do you think the films stand on their own? I well, I'm not saying they don't. By no, the way, no. That I, I actually I, want to counter your point real quick, Corey, with the MCU because I haven't seen a lot of Marvel movies, and yeah, <laughs> I don't think MCU a, movies stand my, on their own at all. My my well, cousin yeah. dragged me to Endgame, and I had not seen like any like maybe like oh, there two exceptions. Marvel movies I mean, and like no, no it wasn't endgame what was the first version infinity um, war like you, i know it was infinity a war infinity yeah, war i'm not sitting here saying that every mcu film is like its own individual masterpiece i'm just saying like you'll like you're you'll get different stylistic variations among films because they are part of this universe um you'll get like a singular story like thor ragnarok you'll get a singular story like ant-man like you know you'll you'll have these the like individual that. trilogies, not, is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, like how, but honestly, like, uh, I'm not even that passionate about defending the MCU here. I'm more so interested yeah. in this Lord of the Rings question. No. I, I think that there are clear films within all three, but th- this was always meant to be watched as a trilogy. So, like, I, I do agree if you, like, if you watch the Twin Towers and don't watch the first or the third, you'll probably be like, cool action sequences kind of like don't understand what's going on here because well, unlike unlike other movies where they refer like they catch the audience back up to speed like these movies don't really do that they kind of expect the audience to remember what has already happened before yeah. that so that could make for a slightly jarring viewing experience i i uh i just think they're all such feats in themselves that they do stand alone. Maybe narratively they don't, but um, as yeah. a film in itself, I think you could watch any 
if you had if you had known what the story was, you could watch any of these three alone and be happy with what you watched. Yeah, I mean, for me, I do think Lord of the Rings operates as more of a, a part one, two, and three. Um, and for me, my reasoning is is like emotional weight. Like if you watch Return of the King, you're gonna be confused. But also, like, if you were to watch that as a standalone movie without having much context on um, the first two, you're not going to care necessarily as much as with what with what happens to the characters. Um, that relationship with with Frodo and Samwise Gamgee and just all the characters in general, it is built up throughout all three movies. Um, and and we can tie this in with with Logan. Like Corey and I um, have all the context of the other X Men uh, films, and we love Hugh Jackman uh, in the role as as Wolverine. We grew up with him. We have that emotional connection uh, throughout the. We've learned that connection throughout the films, and also just watching him play the character. Whereas, like Sam, you watched it, and you appreciate the movie as it stood on its own, but may not have been as affected by some of the moments in the film as Corey and I would have been. Yeah. And honestly, I'll just to, to answer my own question. I actually, I, I, I <laughs> think you guys are right. Like, I think they do stand on their own because they are all so technically impressive in their own individual ways. Um, and th- because there is no shame in a, in a trilogy having a part one, two and three, especially when it seems like that's kind of how Tolkien intended it as well. I also think the first one has sort of like a light cheeriness to it. The second one has like, like almost like an oppressive darkness to it for the most part. And then the third one kind of strikes a balance between those two tones. So I think even in that sense, you kind of can feel the separation. I just do worry a little bit that I might look back even in like in a few months and be like, what happened in the first one as opposed to the second as opposed to the third? Which they all kind of blend think, together. Yeah, I do think they bleed. Yeah, like, which, which is, isn't, it's not a failure by any means, but I do think my absolute favorite trilogies, I'm thinking of the Planet of the Apes trilogy that I mentioned, the Dark Knight trilogy is another one. Like there are three very, very clear movies that come together to form a, a, a coherent story. But I also totally understand that Lord of the Rings is trying to do something a little more linear and a little different. Yeah. Any yeah, other final and, thoughts on? Again, we could have done a whole ep- fucking episode on just this because yeah. it's so rich in I detail. I mean, I have one final right. question for Corey. Does anyone else have anything to say? No. So, Corey, tying this back to an earlier episode. Do you think the Oscars got it right? Do you think Return of the King was the best choice for best picture? Can I really, really? So now I'm, that's a really interesting question. Can I really quickly look and see? Yeah, let's look what yeah, it was. Go ahead and do it. I, I, I put you on the spot. So, with that one. It was so yeah, it was you did. The 70s, that's actually a really interesting question. Let's see. So it was the 76th Academy Awards in 2004. Uh, I'm gonna look that. You up. know what's funny is it be it be your film Mystic yeah. River, which I I just put it in a conversation <laughs> with. Um, it was up against Mystic River, Lost in Translation, which it was. It'd be pretty hard for me mm. to not side with with Lost in Translation. I do have a soft spot for that one. I've seen Master and Commander. Um, nor oh, I think Sea Biscuit kind of sucks. So honestly, I I mean, for all things all things considered, while I do love Lost in Translation. Uh, this seems like a, a good year for a Lord of the Rings to win it. Like Sam said, I'm still absolutely fucking shocked that it did. 
you might be interested in this, Samir. It, Peter Jackson beat Fernando Mireles for City of God uh, for Best Director yeah. that year. Oh, that's wow. City of God came out that year. Just, I mean, yeah, City of God. That's City of God definitely should have fucking yeah. won. I, I, I also, yeah, I do, year. I do think um, the Oscars. I mean, this is just me. I didn't even putting my City of God didn't even win Best Foreign Film that year. It wasn't even nominated. I mean, at oh that point, that's you see, at, th- at that point, nobody yelled at the Academy and no one pressured the Academy for wanting to, you know, give these awards. So they just continued to propagate their. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that. Well, like, I wonder. I know. wonder if it wasn't Brazil's uh, like nomination that year because each country has to, can only nominate one movie to be eligible for the award. So that's the only reason I could imagine it having not been recognized in that category. No, it was, it was a can, if the it was a Canadian, came Swedish, out, Japanese, Netherlands. If Parasite came Republic. out in two thousand three, there's no way it would have won Best Picture. <laughs> I mean, if it was like no. at the same, oh, no. whatever, it wouldn't have even gotten nominated. This this is me yeah. putting my own it, personal it is thoughts so into cool. it. I, I I do think that the Oscars kind of, uh, with this one decided to award Return of the King. Uh, as as kind of a, a collection all, of all, all the trilogies. Uh, oh, not all the trilogies. Yeah. As the trilogy and kind of just being like, yo, you guys did something that makes crazy sense. here. That makes complete sense. And it's again, it's yeah. really cool that the Academy recognized this because I think this film and this trilogy would obviously live on anyway because it has such a fervent fan base because it was so successful at the box office and critically. But I think it is cool to have an have an Oscar that sort of further legitimizes it and says like this isn't just like a great trilogy for you know genre fantasy fans. This is a great trilogy for all film lovers, and and that's why I'm I'm honestly like I was embarrassed for so long to say this was a blind spot, but I'm really glad to have finally addressed it. Any other thoughts on this this experience of addressing your blind spots? Do you guys feel? I hope I hope our listeners and I hope. I know I feel more motivated now to like address uh, some obvious films that I haven't seen. Does anybody have real quickly? Let's share. That's a good idea. Let's share like maybe just one or two other blind spots we feel like we need to address. Guys, I have I have so one many. other one that is <laughs> often regarded as being the best film of all time, and that's Shawshank Redemption. Um, Wow! I've never seen Shawshank. You've missed out on a lot of those like late '90s like emotional yep. dramas. That's what yeah. Yeah. The out. honestly looking looking at it, those are the two films that I have to. This and Goodwill Hunting, like the, those two movies, both kind of fell in that emotional drama where I look back at it and I think, I can't believe I missed those, and I, I still do. So I mean, I I want to hear what you guys have to say, but I also think this could be a, a topic or a theme podcast that we could return to i think this is a yeah i, I like this, this a, one a lot this was went really well because there's so much there's so much content you could do you know absolutely um for me i would say for my t- my two my two biggest ones i've never seen besides like the mcus i i've seen very few of those but i'm just never gonna watch those uh i would say my two biggest now would be the grand budapest hotel i have not seen I've never seen that. That's yeah, and I have never seen Arrival. So oh. that is a that is a really good really one. Good. Yeah, Rival's and Gone Girl. Phenomenal. I think I've I have seen... ones that are pretty embarrassed. I have not seen The Godfather Part Two. Actually, I wait, I haven't seen Godfather Part Two as well. That's that's but also yeah, a big people one. say that's often better than the first, so I really need to see that. 
Uh, I also have not seen Raging Bull, which I know I really need to see. Oh, God. And Dude, you're not missing out. Corey, <laughs> Samir hates. That's I, the most I, I'm not going to lie. I, honest, I, I like Rocky more than I like Raging Bull. Oh, I, Rocky's one of my all-time favorite movies. But uh, that's... Raging I always Bull is nowhere yeah, people say, Oh, you've seen Raging Bull. <laughs> really? I mean... I feel like we're in the my or you guys are in the minority on that, but maybe I. Well, maybe that I'll was in the minority that was that. my that was my hot take when we were doing that. I mentioned that Raging Bull is overhyped, so that's definitely a hot take. You might like uh, it, but I, I don't think it's all that amazing. The, uh, the last one I, I haven't seen is Dead Poet Society. I've not seen that either. <sighs> I haven't oh, seen, seen that either. either. Okay, guys. Well, oh, I <laughs> that that's gonna be my move. We're talking about Robin Williams, guys. Uh, you want to talk another uh, another amazing performance we, we we could do a robin williams episode that would be fun mrs doubtfire yeah. is like but, one of the top five yeah, favorite yeah. comedies ever so yeah i love mrs doubtfire and also uh he's in a supremely underrated nolan film insomnia i think he's actually really really good in it um any excuse for me to talk about nolan some more but uh <laughs> i do think dane just gave us a little bit segue for the kind of tease i want to give for our next episode because there are a few actors that are as universally crowd-pleasing as robin williams uh and and our, our next our next episode is kind of all about crowd pleasers but it's, it's a little different than what you might think what we're going to do is you know one of the things that i'm really obsessed with beyond film uh is a tv show because i don't love anything outside of media i have no life the tv show survivor <laughs> obsessed with survivor i think a lot of people know that about me I'm, I'm i'm always theorizing about it talking about it, thinking about it and i really wanted to find a way to sort of bring some of the elements of Survivor to the pod. Well, I had an idea, guys. Next week, we're each going to bring one absolute crowd pleaser, a film that nobody else has seen on the pod, but that we think everyone's really, really, really going to love. We're going to discuss them like we always do, discuss our homework, but then we're going to vote one person out based upon how much we dislike their film. Maybe we liked all of them, but the, the person and that we dislike the weakest film... And yeah, and, yeah, and who we dislike as a person. Their so, personality is definitely on the chopping block. That, all that right. was my fear <laughs> that the personality would play into it. And I was like, crap, oh, Sam I'm gonna get really eliminated. I'm gonna get eliminated. I'm gonna show you guys the greatest <laughs> fucking movie of all time, and it doesn't matter. I'm gonna get eliminated. It's gonna we come down to-, to Dane and I. And Dane's going to have recommended a worse movie than me, but everyone would be too scared <laughs> to vote out Dane first, possible. and I will be... Yeah, that really is very, also, I, I, trust me, I already ran that scenario in my head. <laughs> this is based on historical precedent because we attempted uh, Survivor in a person setting, and I should assure you that Sam was one of the yeah, earliest Sam people got voted disarray. out. I played, I played literally a perfect game up until no, that pl- point. I played and a really good game. Shut up, Corey. I, I, I played a perfect game. game. I played a perfect game and was literally blindsided by all of the people I call my friends for absolutely no reason besides so the fact funny. that I had been whining the entire game. Well, so I'm hoping that in this will case we keep it to it. film, but there's no guarantee that uh, you know our antics won't won't play a role as well. There'll be, uh, but that, yeah, that's gonna be what we're what we're doing in the next few episodes because each week you know a person will be eliminated, so they will not recommend for the following week. They'll still be part of the discussion. Uh, I guess the voting pro yeah they'll be part of the voting process as well. They'll be the yeah they'll vote. That would be fun. yeah. They just won't be able to recommend a film for the following week. Um, and we'll mm-hmm. see who. Who has, this is essentially a battle to see who has the absolute best taste, right? I mean, like, I mean, Dane it, took Dane took it in our in our Secret Santa series. I'm a crowd pleaser, guys. So, yeah. so, so Dane's definitely in the front running. Yeah, currently. and we and, and he and we all know that he had the best uh, horror movie draft as well. So, yeah, he did. He did. 
Yeah, Dane certainly has a, has a title to defend here. <laughs> he's, and, and, uh, he's too Conversely, old. we all have a, a, a me, title that we're after. So. Yeah. I think this can be a fun series of episodes. Um, um, if you're listening along, we're, we'll, we'll, um, you know, you could probably pop over on our Twitter and we'll have all the films there that we're going to be watching for the following week. So you could play along, see who you or would, would vote out. Um, I got a lot of good films lined up. I, I really, I, I think I'm, I, I can win this one guys. I really do. I don't want to get too confident, but I think <laughs> wow, I, we're really rooting for you, Corey. <laughs> well, well and here's the thing, right? Is like, and this is why it's kind of interesting is like, like say I give you guys great films. Like, isn't there a natural impulse to like push against them just so that person doesn't, oh, yeah. doesn't win? So you really got to make sure you bring the absolute best of the best because um, you got you're, you've you kind of have like a deficit you got to overcome already, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm excited for it, and th- yeah. this has been a fantastic episode as well. So excited! For yeah, I think future. I think it's been a fun one. Well, yeah, this this has been it's about time. I do think, like Dane said, that we could do another version of this at some point. I think it was a lot of fun and a good way for us to, again, address some of our cinematic blind spots. I'm Corey. Alongside me is Dane, Sam, and Samir. This has been the It's All Film and Games podcast. See you guys next time. Thanks.